Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Rancid Taco Movie Review Podcast. I'm Skylar Sanders, here with my fellow simian and flu-infected primate, Mason Weir. Your fellow semen (laughs) (laughs) My fellow semen flu primate. Yep, we're both infected with the simian flu, and we're going to fight in the, the final war. The, fi- the war has begun. Dawn is over. The war is just beginning, and we got a whole day ahead of us. It feels like months ago that we rose. Mm-hmm. It's been such a long day. We've been rising, dawning, and finally getting to the war. That's what happens when you rise before dawn. The days are really long. And you know what the most disappointing thing about this movie is? is I don't really feel like it was much of a war. Yeah, not really. Uh, and also yeah it's uh, it, there is sort of like war stuff going on but there's it's more complicated than just the war for the with the planet of the apes you know it's not the humans are still warring too so there was a specific moment in the theater when this came out and i was watching it that i remember feeling disappointed because i you know it was pretty far in i was like wow there's just not going to be a war this th- this is what it is the whole time it's going to be this mm-hmm so you can tell I'm a little bit disappointed with this movie. I should probably say what movie it is. Oh, yeah. We are today reviewing War for the Planet of the Apes, which came out in 2017 and got inexplicably 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. They liked it more than I did, I'll tell you that much. Way more than I did. And this is the most baffling grade since The Irishman. Yeah, it's pretty strange because... You think, well, what did the other two grade? 90, well, 98 wasn't one of them? No. What was the last well, one? The last one was 90, and the one before that was 82, I think. Or oh, yeah, they got it all fucked up. They got it all wrong. The last one was the best one. It should have been 90, 94. The last one we reviewed. 100%. Uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is the best of this year. And also, we should specify, these are the three most recent Planet of the Apes They have nothing to do with Charlton Heston or Mark Wahlberg, and thank the Lord for that. These, all three of these are 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 better, and it's as a series, it's it's pretty good. It is. It's a a really good series. Yeah, as a series, it's pretty good. But I think the third one drops the ball a little bit. Yeah, I'll point out several times that I didn't like things that I didn't like about this movie, and there's a lot of them actually. But I, I so, still really liked the movie, but I, I had ex- expectations, and it did not meet them. Yeah, and that's what I, I should, I should uh, clarify that. I don't think this was a bad movie. I just don't think this is uh, as good a movie, certainly, as Rotten Tomatoes thinks. And out of the three, I was disappointed with the ending. It's really actually kind of a depressing movie. It's dark and rainy yeah. and wet and cold the whole time. And I get that's what they're going for, but... Uh, yeah. It kind of weighs on you as as the viewer as well. Though I feel like this one had more comedic relief in it too. So, <clears throat> like, there's one character we'll meet. I can't remember his name. Oh, Bad Ape, you know. Don't the, spoil Bad Ape. <laughs> he's a character that is through half the movie. I'm not spoiling anything. Uh, Bad Ape is is a great co- comedic relief, but. Um, why didn't we have any of that really in the second one? Hardly, not much comedic relief. And did that draw from the third one? That's my next question. They did go for some comedy in this one, and it mostly it barely landed. But I I could have gone without Bad Ape. 
was a good character, but an almost pointless character. He doesn't really do a lot of add a lot to the story other than what? humor. He helps out a bit. He does help. He he's pretty crucial in getting them to to their destination. But yeah, he's mostly there as comedic relief, and you know, it's one of those things where it's just like. Uh, we haven't really had much of this in the first two movies. Why are we resorting to this in the third? Well, since we're talking about Bad Ape, we should go ahead and start with the cast. All your, right. Your favorite, the cast. And guess who plays Caesar? Uh, ooh, uh, Andy Circus. Andy Circus once again. Yes. And I will say this might be his best performance of the three. I did well, like the, the writing they had for Caesar, but I thought Andy Serkis did a great job in this one. Well, it's the one he gets to act the most in, so you know that's. I think that that went that wins it for him right there because he gets to actually be a little bit more expressive, a little bit more emotive. He gets to stretch his acting muscles in this one a little bit. He's got dialogue, a lot more dialogue, and they killed off his only competition for best actor with Koba. Oh, spoiler alert! He comes back in this one. <laughs> we already said that in the last podcast, and it's not a spoiler that he died <laughs> in the last movie. Oh, yeah, that's true. But he does have a reappearance, uh, and he, 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 even in the small moments where he comes back, I'm just like, oh, God, Koba, I wish you were here, brother. Yeah, Man. Koba would have raised the, the grade of this movie by at least one or two points for me, maybe for more. Sure. For sure, for sure. In fact, this these last couple of days, I've been thinking maybe we should have been hailing Koba this whole time instead of Caesar. Ah, uh, that's a good question. I mean, I, we did get into a bit of is Koba right, is Caesar wrong, sort of. But Koba, Koba became too evil by the end of the second one. There was no, there was really no uh, justifying him, sort of at the end. Yeah, he became a true villain, but it started in a different place for him. So I, I loved Koba, and I miss him in this one. Yeah, me too. But instead, as a villain in this one, we get Woody Harrelson as yeah. the nameless colonel, or as the uh, apes call him, Kerna, which I really, I like that. What's the fuck? What the fuck is up with these half villains? Because even though he's a villain, he's definitely the most villainous person we've encountered so far, human at least. He still has a justification for his for his actions. And it's it's kind of a good justification, but I, I'll go over it later when we're talking about it. But it doesn't actually make much sense. But still, in the end, he's it's like this movie just can't pick a villain. Like, get off the fucking fence post. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, choose a choose a side. Kind of. There's some other characters in this one that I definitely know what you're talking about with that one. Mm-hmm. But for the colonel, I thought that he, I really liked the acting performance, and I thought he was a good character. Well, then we're going to disagree on this one because I was not a fan of Woody Harrelson or Colonel J. Wesley McCullough at all. Oh, so he did have a name. I, I didn't know. I, no one ever calls him McCullough, do they? I don't think so. It's on his badge. Maybe he has it on his jacket or something. But here upon the Wikipedia page, it says Woody Harrelson as Colonel J. Wesley McCullough. All right. Well, uh, Woody Harrelson, I thought, was good in this. And I he was one of the bright spots in the movie for me. So now, I this thought is going to be great. I thought he mailed it in, and and let's be honest, it was just a poor impersonation of Marlon Brando's Apocalypse Now character, General Kurtz. Is it considered an impersonation whenever you're paying your respects to something by admitting that it inspired you? He even said it inspired him. 
Well, oh, did he? Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know that. I just watched it and was like, this is like he's trying to be Colonel Kurtz. And I mean, the story's kind of similar. It lines up a, a general who's being chased by his own people, sort of. But uh, because his because his uh, his tactics become unsound. Yeah, it was a tribute to that. The the whole, really, the whole scenario and the actor. Well, that's nice, but it's just not very creative. It just feels like he's ripping it off. Yeah. All right. Well, I will give you that. It's not incredibly creative, and the story is and the writing is the worst part of this movie, I think, including some of the things they do with the colonel. Yeah. So continuing with the characters, uh, Bad Ape is a new character that we meet. Uh, in, Who's Bad is, Ape? I never never heard of him. Is that Bad Ape? Oh yeah, no. Well, let's wait to introduce him halfway through the movie <laughs> so we don't spoil it. That's yeah. Steve Zahn, who's actually like a comedic actor for the most part. So, is he? And he, yeah, I feel like he is. Yeah, I, he's funny. He's really good in comedic roles. But I've watched some movies where he's not comedic, and he's actually a really good actor. I think. I like him. I do like him. Uh, I, I'm not familiar with much more of his serious stuff, but definitely everything I've seen him in is comedic roles. Well, when I my favorite Steve Zahn role is his role in Saving Silverman when he's mm-hmm. the friend. I love that movie. I don't know why no one else likes that movie. But... Probably because Jason Biggs is in it. Yeah, but he's a, <laughs> he's a dweeb in it, so it's all right. He's a dweeby guy. He's always a dweeby guy. He'll never not be a dweeby guy. But Steve Zahn is hilarious in that movie with Jack Black. But I yeah. also saw him as a villain in a horror movie. Like uh, he starts out as a nice guy, but he ends up being this you know, meth head murderer. It, I forget the name of that. But then I watched one this last week called Rescue Dawn. Have you ever seen yeah. that with Christian Bale? Uh-uh. So that's about a Vietnam war pilot that gets shot down and imprisoned. And Steve Zahn is one of the prisoners that's already there. And he's kind of insane, but. You know, I don't know. It's a really okay. good job. It's a really good movie, actually. Yeah, he's a good actor. I like him. I like him, and I think he does a good job in this movie too. And um, I didn't know. I didn't know it was him. I actually thought it was. Uh, oh, who's? I thought the voice sounded like Mark Rylance. Have you ever? Do you know who Mark Rylance is? Uh, I probably would know him if I saw him, but I'm not familiar with the name. Yeah, he, it sound his voice sounded almost like Mark Rylance's, and I was like, "Is that is that Mark Rylance playing?" Because he's one of my favorite actors, and he's not super uh, big. I, the reason he's my favorite actor is because I saw him on Broadway play this in this show called Jerusalem. I went and saw it like three times. It's the best live acting performance I've ever seen from a human being. So uh, I thought it was him, and I researched, it and I and I saw it was Steve Zahn, and and said, "Holy fuck, that that guy! Oh, okay, he's doing a great job." The only other person I would even mention would be the girl. Amaya Miller, I think was her name. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she does a good job. Yeah, I think she does do a pretty good job. Even though she doesn't speak, she doesn't give any lines. Oh, spoiler alert. That's not a sp- All right, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a mild spoiler. <laughs> yeah. But she's on the screen a bunch, and she does a lot of nonverbal acting. I think she's pretty good. Yeah, I, I think she does a good job, and... You know, she yeah, you're right. She doesn't have any lines, but so oftentimes that lets actors explore different avenues for communication. So, which this whole series is great for because there are a lot of we get a lot of communication through other things other than dialogue, which is which is fun in the in these movies. Yeah, it forces you to to watch the movie. You can't you can't dick off while you're watching this movie. You're not going to understand anything that's going on. Yeah, you know who really stands out in this movie to me. 
Rocket. Rocket, hell yeah. And I started noticing Rocket's got the best physical form, too. Like, I might have to pencil him in for a Golden Stiffy Award because <laughs> he actually he looks like the buffest of, of the apes, you know? Yeah, for his size. He, yeah. He's chimp size, but he's definitely filled out. Well, that's why what? he was the alpha ape in, in the first uh, conservatory. Yeah. The only reason Caesar's the alpha now is because he's smarter, but but Rocket is like Rocket's a badass. Yeah, Rocket's a down ass ape here, and Maurice is very impressive in this one as well too. Yeah, Maurice is great in, in all of them. I feel like they improved the costume or CGI design of Maurice because they really zoomed in on his face a lot in this one, and it looked pretty good. Yeah, Maurice had some great eyes in this one. Like he really, we really saw what was going on behind his eyes. And also shout out to the effects people or the whatever, the CGI people for aging these apes very subtly. Mm -hmm. I mean, Caesar has more gray than in the last movie, but he was kind of gray in the the previous movie as well. But even Rocket and Maurice, you can tell just little, little bits of aging for their characters. Because the series takes place over 12 years, I guess, Mm -hmm. which is probably like 50 years in human, human years. Yeah, he's got a little bit more gray because it's a stressful job leading a pack of apes, you know. It's uh, especially in time of war. Like oh, you he... look at you look at every president after they're elected after their second term, it's like they're straight gray and balding. Yeah, I don't know. Well, he drops the ball in this one. He's not a very good leader, really, at any point in this movie. No, but he's on a he's on a mission for vengeance. Yeah, well, that's a spoiler too. <laughs> spoiler uh, alert: What's well, he avenging? We don't know. That's the, that's the, if I had said that, that would have been a spoiler, but that's not a spoiler. All right. Well, they're all, I mean, I, he, he starts his vengeance quest pretty quickly into the movie. The only other cast member I wanted to mention was Lake, who you mentioned before. That's Blue Eyes' wife. And mm-hmm. she is played by Judy Greer, who has not been in a lot of things, but you might remember her as Fatty Magoo in Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, we got an immediate correction here if you're going off of Wikipedia's cast list because it says Judy Greer plays Cornelia. That's what I said. Caesar's wife. Oh, did I say uh, she was You Lake? said Lake. You said okay, Lake, yeah. yeah. yeah okay. Sarah, Sarah Canning plays Lake. All right, my fault. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Caesar's wife. Such an early win in the podcast That's for me. not a win. That's a that's misspeak. A, that's an absolute win. I corrected you before we even got to the next episode. Whatever. That's not a win. That's a point. I'll give you a point. Oh, you get you just hand yourselves yourself wins all the time after everything that I say wrong, and then uh, whenever you say something wrong, I don't get a win. Did you have anything else to say about the cast? Nah, I don't think so. I don't think there's any other. Oh, Luca was a kind of a good character. Oh wait, yeah. what, what about a uh, preacher or priest or whatever? Preacher. Preacher. Yeah, the the top lieutenant of the colonel. Nah, fuck that guy. He doesn't do anything important, really. Yeah, actually, he's one of the characters I really hated. They're, it's yeah. they, they seem like they're building something for him the whole time, and then they just yeah, and then they yeah, then they just completely let us down. Yep, it, I have I have a note. I have a note in here uh, about preacher towards the end that I'll get to at that point that was, that regards that, but I won't mention it now because I won't spoil it. All right. Well, let's go ahead and start spoiling everything. By yeah. warring with the planet of the apes. Spoiler alert: Harry Potter dies. Oh, what? What? <laughs> what? Malfoy does uh, die, and he died in the first movie. <laughs> yeah, 
Oh, sorry, wrong series. Never mind. Go ahead. All right. So war starts with uh, so <laughs> after dawn. War starts after dawn. They give you some text on the screen to to get you caught up with what's going on. And actually, it seems as though they heard our very complaints because they explain what the fucking titles of these movies mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They even highlight the rise. Uh, Dawn and War in Red just so we understand the order of it all. I can only imagine that all the producers and directors and, and things were sitting in the back and they just heard for months and months, why the fuck does the Dawn come after the Rise? And they're <laughs> yeah, finally yeah. like, alright, listen, we'll explain it to you, alright? Very let's first scene. <laughs> okay, they're shuffling papers around, they're like, just let me get my notes in order here. Uh, okay, so, so, so the Rise obviously happens first, your eyes, right? And then dawn happens next. And after that, you got to have war. <laughs> well, in this case, they're explaining that the rise is of the ape breed, the intelligent ape breed, and the dawn mm-hmm. is of their civilization. So they're okay. rising in, in intelligence, and then their civilization dawns, and now they're currently All waging right. a war. Here's my slow clap for them. Good fucking job justifying your shitty titles. Yeah, but <laughs> they don't really give you much about the story. They're just like, all right, we're going to make up for these titles. Now that we've cleared that out. <laughs> yeah, so that's how they start the movie. And they do, they do tell you that two years have gone by since the last movie. Yeah. So what the hell was going on in between these two years? Um... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they, I, we, I guess we, we must assume that they've been fighting or waging a war back and forth for two years, and we just jumped in two years later instead of jumping in right off the bat. So, Well, if you think a, about the last movie, there were a lot of good people, survivors, at that colony. Yeah. And I'm, I'm assuming when the ones that were imprisoned were rescued by Malcolm or Caesar, and Malcolm probably told them of Caesar's good deeds. What happened to all those people? Yeah, I don't know. I guess they're, they, I mean, they could be soldiers in the, either this faction or a different faction. But uh, this, the humans here have definitely upgraded. Their weapons have like lasers and shit. They're much more prepared for war. Well, this is the remains of the U.S. Army. These guys that, that show up for this war. They're the ones that get called in at the end of the last movie. Oh. And and this particular faction we'll find is a rogue faction of the U.S. Army. And then later, at the end of the movie, we'll see the real army. Uh-huh. If it seems convoluted, it is. It, it, if you think too much about it, you're just going to get pissed about it because it's all it's it's stupid. It doesn't really make sense. Yeah, don't worry yourself over it because there's plenty of uh, fun explosions and monkey fights coming up later yeah there are there are monkeys on horses so just enjoy that oh they have a whole cavalry now like the last movie we thought they were prepared this one it's like a cavalry it's like general custer storming the the sitting bowler whoever he stormed yeah they should have had a scene of just one scene of a of a farm nearby where they're raising horses yeah they're not only riding these horses effectively but they're firing off spears and shit and their weapons have improved as well. Did you say that just now? Uh, the humans' weapons have improved. Oh, the apes' weapons have improved too. Have they? What do they got? Did they not throw like a bunch of stink bombs? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Let's stink them out. Yeah, yeah. 
So uh, uh, they did. Yeah, yeah, I did see that part, and I was just like, "What? Is, what are those bombs? What's in them? I, are they I kinda, just?" I kind of wondered that too. I mean, if they're throwing bombs of simian flu, they got chemical warfare on their side. They should be doing that. All the humans already have the, the simian flu. They're all Im- immune to it. I'm talking about uh, the 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 mutation, which also doesn't really make sense. That's coming up. We haven't talked about that. Yeah. It's hard to connect the dots, though. On second watching, I co- I connected a lot more dots, but on first watching, I was just like, "What in the fuck is happening here?" Yeah, you might have to educate me if you made sense of some of this shit because it doesn't right. make sense to me. All right. Well, I did pick up a little bit of the uh, the underneath what's going on, so. Oh, did you well, finally, did you get a message from this movie? Did you understand what this movie's trying to tell you? Oh, hell yeah. That's a deep, deep message. We'll get into it. I'll, I'll tell you about it. All right, good. I can't wait to hear. Be nice to apes. That, that's what the message of this movie is. <laughs> uh, so let's go ahead and get started on the actual movie and stop mildly spoiling every, everything. Every, everything and just get into it. So there's an attacking army that's attacking this ape outpost. And it's the colonel's not with them, but it's one of the colonel's groups. The characters we see here are Preacher, who we mentioned in the cast. He's a featured soldier, though he's not necessarily a leader. He's not a leader in this battle, and then later on, he's not either. Definitely not a leader. He's much more of like a toss away character. He should have been a toss away character. I don't know why they had to call him back. But we see him as the right-hand man of the colonel many times. So it doesn't, just that alone doesn't make sense and always annoyed me. Yeah, even when he's on the radio in this scene, he says, uh, I, I might be the only one left. Uh, and the colonel goes, all right, well, you're in charge now. And leading us to believe that he wasn't in charge before and he doesn't do anything special. So I don't know why he deserves such... Why, why is he always hanging out with the colonel? Why, why is he always like yeah. in his room with him when he's just a grunt soldier? Yeah, apparently this battle gets him in good graces with the soldier. Yeah. With the colonel. I don't know why, but it does. So he's, he's there, and also they feature now a villainous ape, which is a gorilla. There's several apes that are fighting against the colonized apes, and they're called donkeys by the other mm. humans. Yeah, and essentially they are apes that are that were kind of loyal to Koba, I guess, a little bit. And they're afraid that Caesar's going to fuck with them if they go back. Yeah, there's seemingly, like, you know, maybe a dozen of these apes or more. Yeah. They do the grunt work. They carry around the ammunition. They, they give the shells to the humans. They load their guns. Which is just dumb. Why do you have your gorilla being the reload guy? Get him out on the front line ripping some heads off. I mean, yeah, no shit. It's just poor management of your gorillas. And this particular gorilla's name is Red, and he is a featured character throughout the movie okay. as well. So those two are the villains. They start this attack on the ape outpost. They're gunning down a bunch of apes and, and shooting the sentries. But then Caesar leads a charge, and they all throw spears and stink bombs, which I was, <clears> they throw some shit later in the movie some of the apes i was thinking do you think maybe they found a way to ignite some of their sh- like gooey shit and throw weaponize it? weaponize their shit yeah i mean humans have found a way to do it in the past they used to uh dig dig holes in the ground like traps that you'd fall through like a bear trap you know where you'd fall through the hole into a pit and in on the pit they would rub feces all over the spikes so if you sta- if you got stabbed and wounded it would infect you so 
That's very possible. And apes are known for, for throwing their feces, so. For flinging shit, yeah. I'm going to say that these are stink bombs, but they're, I guess they're really supposed to be smoke bombs. Mm-hmm. But they, uh, they <clears throat> then follow that up with an arrow attack or a spear oh. attack, and they kill everybody. An absolute barrage of arrows. It's just like coming down like a hailstorm. Yep. So, so Caesar is victorious in this battle, and he takes Preacher, Red, and a couple other soldiers as prisoners. And I did note here that Caesar is much better at speaking in this movie. Yeah, he's definitely upped his vocabulary. He's getting quicker. His sentences are starting to come out faster, so that's nice. Yeah, it's good that he's improving, though I feel like they just made the character do that so that the movie didn't go over three hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because old Caesar would, would take forever to say anything. Yeah, because he has a lot more dialogue in this one. Yeah, he, he talks a lot more. And also talking is Red as a prisoner. Why is Red... So the talking, even the talking between the apes annoyed me in this movie. Because Maurice has been around since day one, still doesn't talk. Not much. I mean, Hardly, he says yeah. Rocket can't talk at all. Mm-hmm. None of the other apes outside of Caesar can say more than a few words. Luca can't yeah. talk, but this donkey, Red, can speak quite clearly. I mean, he's yeah, been... I don't know. That's a good question. That's a that's one of these. That's one of the mysteries of this movie that just makes you go, "Hmm, what the fuck?" Yeah, it was just one of those. Why is Red so good at talking? He speaks very plainly to Caesar, and everyone else is signing. It's kind of kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Caesar, instead of killing these prisoners, he releases them as a message to the colonel that he has mercy and the colonel should just yeah. leave him alone. Not after we get a heavy spoonful of exposition in this whole first scene, though. Like, the entire scene is exposition dialogue where he's like, he meets him in the, fo- like, Preacher meets him in the forest and goes, you're him, you're Caesar, we thought you were dead. And he gives us all this exposition so we need to know, oh, they've been searching for you, we thought you were dead, we thought this, we thought that. And then Caesar goes, I am not the one who started this war. The monkey who started this war is, or the ape who started this war is dead. So it's the entire first scene is just exposition dialogue, which if you've watched the movies before, you don't need to know this. It's not really crucial. You could have got, you could have done something else with it. I feel like it's just a bunch of wasted dialogue. Yeah, it, it was mostly a waste. The only thing that came out of the scene of much importance was red is, taken to the back by another gorilla named winter he's like a a white gorilla Mm -hmm. and he's supposed to be tied up but then winter shows up and says he was attacked by red and red escaped yeah so that becomes uh, important uh pretty quickly Mm -hmm. but then there's a little bit of philosophical talk between caesar and maurice about Koba and and the hatred of Koba and how he was absorbed with hate and they don't want to become like Koba. So Koba's still lingering around in this third movie, even though he's not really in it. Yeah, and he, I think he even says that Koba's uh, ghost still haunts us at one point. Yeah, and they're having this talk right on this waterfall. The scenery here is pretty great. I, I will say that. Since I'm trashing yeah. a lot of the movie, I want to give props. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool, and especially the home that they've built under the waterfall here is really nice. Yeah, it's, it's pretty sweet. So they have a nice home built there, and, and they seem to be safe from the colonel. Or are they? Or are they? But before we get into that obvious spoiler, 
<laughs> Blue Eyes, Caesar's son, and Rocket, his now top lieutenant, now that Koba's dead, they return from this great exploratory journey where they speak of crossing the desert and they found a paradise for apes where the apes can now live in safety. And as proof of this, Rocket pulls out a bag of sand. Yeah. How does a bag of sand prove anything? <laughs> what, what are you saying with that? It's congratulations. You found the desert. What the fuck are we going to do out there? He's like, no, I know about this great place. You don't believe me? Check out this. Check it out. Dirt. Yeah. Sand. Yeah, that was a little strange to me. I don't know where they're going either. I, I, I have some guesses. It, it, at the end, we should guess and, and see where both of us think they have ended up. Okay, that, that's a good. I know if they're crossing the desert, I'm assuming they're going east, but I'm I can't say for sure. Yeah, that sounds about right. So uh, we also get an introduction to Lake, who we mentioned in the cast. She is Blue Eyes' wife. Lake is definitely the hottest uh, female monkey around. She's yeah. actually got she's got some small boobs too. Did you <laughs> notice that? Oh yeah, I noticed. I didn't know if we were gonna go there or not, but yeah, the female <laughs> well, apes do have boobs. Yeah, and just like they're just like some some little extra, just a little bit extra to let you know that they're female apes. Yep, but I yep. was I was wondering if female apes apes actually have that if that's actually a thing. Oh, that's a good good question. I'm gonna say no. I don't think they do. They're just regular regular boobs to lactate. Yeah, but I, I might be wrong. So that's that'll be a good one for me to get my point back if, by being right yeah. there. Yeah. So uh, Blue, Blue Eyes and Rocket tell them about this paradise, and Winter, the gorilla, immediately wants to leave that night, suspiciously wants to leave that very moment. Yeah, Winter, Winter is definitely nervous. He wants to get out of there. He starts freaking out, and then he you know, does the Hail Caesar, begs for forgiveness, and does the hand thing. Well, why does he want to leave? Well, because he sold him out, man. Yep, he sure did. Winter sold them out, released Red, revealed their location to the colonel. And now we get maybe the best scene of the movie, or one of the best scenes, is the nighttime attack on the ape fortress. Mm -hmm. So Caesar finds this rope hanging down on the waterfall in his bedroom, the cave that serves as his bedroom. Yeah, so he's on on an elevated cliff uh, overhang with a waterfall in front of him. And he all of a sudden starts seeing green lasers like coming in through the cave and he looks and he reaches out and he grabs a rope that's hanging down. That's obviously like military troopers are, are roping down. And then he, he tries to sneak around and head him off, I guess. Yeah. I'm not sure why he leaves his family. Does he even wake up his wife? Well, no, he tells uh, blue eyes to, Eyes to guard to to protect his mother and brother. Yeah, he leaves Blue Eyes there. I don't think I would leave my family just, especially not sleeping, if I thought there were intruders there in the house. But yeah, uh, he leaves them, goes down to the tunnels. There's some cool scenes of of he and Rocket and Luca and some guys catching some soldiers and killing them and beating them up. Then we get a quick scene of Blue Eyes killing a soldier. But then the colonel, Woody Harrelson, pops out around the corner and he guns down blue eyes. Mm-hmm. Though I don't know if you noticed in this movie, but it seems like they were trying to go for a more family friendly thing with the violence. So anytime someone died or was shot, they always cut away 
cutaway. Yeah, we didn't see it. We just assumed it happened. Yeah, so we we assume that Blue Eyes is shot, and then we'll find out pretty quickly that not only is he shot, a little Cor- double pump fake MacGuffin. Yep, Cornelia, his wife, Caesar's wife, is shot as well. Mm-hmm. So Caesar hears over a stolen intercom that King Kong is dead. I guess that's code speak for Caesar is dead. Yeah, and I assume Caesar is familiar with the King Kong series. Well, you know what? King Kong ain't got nothing on me. Ain't got nothing on me. I just watched that movie yesterday. That's a really good movie, uh, Training Day. Ex- excellent reference to Denzel. Yeah, yeah King Kong. But, uh, King Kong ain't got nothing on me. But King, uh, King Kong, yeah. But Caesar runs back up to his bedroom. He finds the colonel, and he and the colonel make eye contact. And I like the scene because the colonel realizes in that moment that he killed the wrong people. Mm-hmm. And Caesar also is realizing in that moment that the colonel just killed his family. Yeah. So there's a little action scene. He he strangely avoids these gunshots with with this, yeah. like, this barrel roll. Yeah, with this laser thing. He starts shooting at him. He rolls to the side. And, the, and fortunately, the laser is just right behind him the whole time. So it's like... Okay, yeah, all right, well, he it's missed him. Yeah, I guess, action. I guess he missed him. And then the colonel just gives up and retreats. He goes up uh, the waterfall on this helicopter. Caesar jumps out onto the rope, and he's hanging there, and the colonel cuts the rope, and Caesar falls down into the river. Yeah. So the colonel escapes, and Caesar, Caesar's fine as well. Now, quick thinking by the colonel to pull the knife out and cut the rope below him because Caesar was about to climb right up that rope and just have at him. Yeah, the colonel's pretty badass. I got to give him give him his props. Yeah, that's a good move. It was a good move. So uh, Winter gets blamed as the betrayer because he's now disappeared. And it looks pretty dark and grim for Caesar. But his youngest son, Cornelius, is still alive and he pops up around a corner and Caesar's overjoyed to see him. Cornelius is super cute, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's a cute young monkey. I'll I'll say it. Uh, he's he's two years old, and the only word he knows is he. The only word he even knows how to sign is father, father. Yeah, yeah, which he does incessantly. That's all yeah, he signs. He only says father the whole time, but he's just always so happy to see Caesar. So I I like Cornelius. Yeah, he's young and innocent. Uh... But we have no real attachment to Cornelius, I don't feel like. So, uh, like, the most, the two most important characters that we just know died, and I don't feel like they got a, ju- a justifiable, like, scene. You know, they, it was a cutaway, and then we come back, and the whole last movie, we came to love Cornelia. Blue and, Eyes uh, as well. And Blue, and Blue Eyes as well. He had a, started to develop, and then they were just like, nah, cut him off, and make Cornelius the main uh, main uh, the surviving main... member. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I didn't like that either, especially when I first watched it, because Blue Eyes was such a such an important part of the first, or of the second movie, and then he's just like, oh, he's dead, gotcha. Yeah. That we did spoil that in the last podcast, that something would happen to Blue Eyes, and that's <clears> it. That's the end of it. Yeah, well, this is supposed to be like a really sad scene, and I, I just don't feel it. I didn't get in my feels for it. Yeah, I, I didn't either. It, it didn't affect me the way that, that they were going for, I, I don't think. Yeah. 
And Caesar obviously doesn't give a shit about Cornelius because for the first time of many times, he just flat out abandons him and hands <laughs> he, he, he hands him over to Lake. He's like, here, you're my last family member. You can go with the the girl, the the ex-wife of my dead son. Yeah, Lake, Lake probably didn't sign up for this shit, man. Like, but, your husband yeah, Lake, just got killed, and now you're inheriting his father's yeah. other child. Lake's like, well, I can't take care of somebody else's son. Yeah, but she she does accept uh, Cornelius. What a saint, you know. Mm-hmm. Lake is a, a star in this movie. She's really nice and sweet. She does a lot of yeah. good things. And she's got some nice little things in her hair, you know, some little hair crimps or braids in her hair, and it, it really feminizes her. Oh yeah, she she's a great one. Oh, uh, and the boob, and the boobs. I, I wondered if you're gonna bring them back up again. Yep. Let's just talk about Cornelia's boobs or uh, Lake's boobs for. Yeah. for oh, hour. we can't we can't talk about Cornelia's boobs. He doesn't have any. Well, she's dead now too. You've steered this ship straight into the storm. You started this. No, I just mentioned that she has boobs. Twice in 15 I'm just, minutes. I was just saying things that feminize her and make you realize, oh, she's a female ape. Yeah, well, she is. and she, she you, sexualized, you sexualized it with your in, uh, implications. You Don't know? turn this around on me. <laughs> anyway, Caesar ditches Cornelius and decides he's going to go for revenge and kill the colonel by himself. Uh, he, yeah. he tries to justify it to Maurice as saying that, well, they're going to come for me, so if I'm not with you, you'll all be safer. And that kind of is a mild justification, but yeah. everyone knows it's really because he wants revenge. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a cop-out. He, he wants revenge, but and it's not a horrible strategy, I guess, you know, if you, if you logistically think about it, you know, but it yeah. uh, doesn't really work out quite like that. All the leaders of the ape colony go with Caesar now. They insist on going with him. So mm-hmm. we have Maurice, Rocket, and Luca, all insisting for various reasons to go with Caesar. Who is leading the apes now? Uh, Lake, I guess. Yeah, that's it's, not, it's, that's it's the only Lake. notable character, yeah. So Lake, Lake has to take care of his kid and now lead his people to safety. Wow, I didn't realize how much Lake had on her shoulders till we started talking about this, but she carries a heavy burden throughout she, this whole movie. She really does, because no one is now leading the main group. But I did like the way that the three lieutenants kind of justified their their reason for following Caesar. Uh, Luca mm-hmm. says, I forget what Luca says, but Rocket says, I know what it feels like to lose a son. So that's the only callback we get to Ash in the last movie. Yeah, and then Maurice says, "I'm here to make sure that that you stay safe and that you return home to your people." So that was kind of a cool scene that gave each uh, each one of the supporting characters a little moment. Yeah, and they're now a fellowship, <laughs> heading the, out to destroy the ring. The fellowship of the apes, and the yeah. first thing they encounter, which I, I want to point out here, the music for this whole next hour. They kept playing this like Arabian Nights, traveling yeah. long distances music. I hated it. I did not like it at all. It was droning and and made me feel like I was yeah. riding there, a horse through the desert. And to, uh, to sum up the entire three films, there's nothing special about the music in any of these. Well, there it is one, there is one other song in this one. We were wrong last time when we said the wait 
was the only song. There's another song. Oh song. yeah, no, I know what you're talking. I, I noticed. I noticed it too. They get their one classic rock song in there. Yep. Spoiler alert. There's a real song in this movie. But spoiler alert, it doesn't fit. No, it it again doesn't fit really at all. <laughs> it's a good song though. So they uh, they arrive at this settlement, I guess, or an abandoned village. And this yeah. really, this whole scene is kind of messed up, and it doesn't make sense. Okay, me. here I can I can I can be your your roadmap here because this does actually make sense. All right, so there's a a man and his daughter mm-hmm. living out here. All right, so he's carrying firewood. He happens upon the fellowship. They all have guns and are riding horses, and they're alarmed to see each other. So he pulls out a gun, and Caesar, from around the corner, guns him down and kills him right then and there. Self-defense. All right. But his actions were also self-defense. I mean, these apes are kind of. They're warring with apes, and they're armed. Yeah, yeah, sure. But he goes for his gun, and he loses. That's as simple as that. All right. So he goes for his gun, and he loses. Fair enough. He dies. Inside is his daughter, who's lying in the bunk she i know she heard the shots outside and then she later goes outside and finds her father dead uh yeah maurice wants to maurice immediately forms a bond with this girl mm-hmm. she can't speak she's bleeding out of her nose and which is thematic we find many characters later bleeding out of their nose which signifies something yeah it means something but maurice insists on taking this girl with them and and protecting her because they just killed her father. Mm-hmm. Yes. Caesar objects, but he relents and, and allows Maurice yeah. to take her. Why is this girl so willing to go with these people that just murdered her father? Because she, okay, so I'm going to have to spoil it a little bit here, but she is infected with the mutation of the simian flu, which we learn takes, <clears throat> takes people's brains and turns them into it back into a primitive state almost right well no they they say that woody harrelson says that but yeah i don't think there's any evidence of that i think the only evidence is that you can't speak anymore and that's it yeah you can't speak and you turn into almost an animal primate pr- uh, primitive state he he says that in his speech he the says colonel, it right but she proves later to have much intelligence well yeah he probably misunderstood it but to hit to to her she's sort of a simpleton you know she's she's her brain is no longer working in a typical human fashion so we have to assume that she doesn't exactly and she's young so we have to assume uh, i don't we agree. have to assume what do you mean you don't agree she's I, I don't obviously agree she's a simpleton she takes part in their plans later she fully comprehends things that they say to her she, she nearly she nearly gets herself killed multiple times she She's, understands that Caesar doesn't like him. She sticks her, she sticks her tongue out at him. She learns some sign language. Yeah, but she's not completely, you know, dumb. She's just regressed. She, she's I regressed think, out of the human and into something else. No, you're gonna have to have some evidence for that. I think she can't talk, oh and th- and that's it. I think she's fully functional. She just no. can't talk. She can't talk, and she's a little bit not understanding. She she asks later if she's an ape. Yeah, well, I mean, she wants to be an ape now when she's hanging out. Okay, so she's what still is, impressed. How old, how old is she? 12? 10? Maybe 10, 12. 
You think yeah, they, a ten, the 10 year old human doesn't know if they're an ape or a human? If all, if all you grew up with was this life, you know, who knows where her mind is? Flew no, she, she grew up with humans. Yeah, but she knows what's going on in the world. No, She's probably seen yeah. some shit. Just admit that you're wrong. You understand that you're That's wrong. That's not you, proof you, you of know. anything because she said, Am I an ape? Yeah. She learned sign language. Yeah, now I'm not saying she's she's dumb and she can't learn. I'm saying that her brain has regressed into something different from what she was. You said she's a simpleton. I did say that. Well, and she's I, I mean a simpleton doesn't doesn't a simpleton's not completely, you know, idiotic. My only my only thing is she should have at least cried for her father or showed some sort of disdain for the the apes that just killed him. She just wanders off with them and, and, and joins them up. Yeah, because she's a simpleton. All right, all right, all right. If that, if that explains away this plot hole for me, then that's fine. Yeah, she's Well, she, she has the mutated disease, which is important for us to understand later. So her disease makes her go into a primitive state, sort of. So did the dad also have the disease? It's highly mm -hmm. contagious, we find. No, out. no, because he talked to him. Did he talk or? Yeah, he says, "I'm just gonna drop. I'm just gonna drop the firewood," and he drops the firewood. Then he reaches for his gun. Well, how does he not have it? That's a good question. It's proven to be very contagious much later on. So I guess we'll we'll just have to keep going with this. We're gonna argue a bit because there are things that didn't make sense to me. If you're yeah. gonna explain it as it it turns their minds into mush and actually buy what Woody Harrelson tells you, then that <laughs> okay. explains a lot I'm... of things. I'm not explaining it. I'm giving you what I've heard from the movie. So the movie was explaining it in that way, okay? Well, the colonel is not exactly sane. So just because he says it doesn't well, mean... Well, late, later we meet those guys that are buried in the snow. Uh, well, hold on. We'll, same... we'll get to that. Don't, okay, don't, but I'm just saying spit. that they're doing the same thing and they can't speak and all that. Getting back on track here. One mm. thing I did want to point out that I remembered is... Luca is with them because Luca knows where one of their encampments is, one of the enemy encampments is. So he has a lead on where they're supposed to be going. Yeah. So that's why Luca insisted on going, so he could take Caesar to this place. So they uh, they travel down the road a little bit, and they get to the encampment that Luca was talking about, and there they find Winter, the betrayer of the apes. They confront him in this tent. They They sneak in stealthily, and they confront him. He admits that he betrayed them because he made a deal with Red that he would be kept safe by the colonel if he betrayed the ape's location. Yeah. So they're going to show him mercy, it seems like, maybe. But instead, some, some human guards show up. And to keep him quiet and not reveal their location, they all gang up on him and hold him down. And Caesar covers his mouth so he can't speak. And he covers his and mouth a little bit too long and accidentally kills him. Well, and he's got a pretty severe chokehold on him, so I think Caesar's still a little bit angry. <laughs> you think he meant to kill him? Yeah, it's questionable because he's got a he's got a got him in a headlock, and this is right after he says, "My my wife is dead, my son is dead." So he's super pissed off because he's the reason that his wife and kids are dead, essentially. And he gets him in that chokehold, and it definitely doesn't doesn't let up any time, and and just keeps covering his mouth. And I don't see much remorse in his eyes as uh, as Winter dies. 
Well, I wish they would have made that a little bit more clear because they play it off as an, an accident, but it would have made more sense for the story they're trying to tell for Caesar of being hellbent on revenge. Yeah. If they would have just made it obvious that he just killed him out of rage. Well, and I think I think coming up pretty quickly after this, we get we get the Koba uh, one Koba flashback, right? Yeah, it's the next scene. Koba, uh, Caesar sitting there drinking. I told myself he was drinking alcohol, but it was probably just water. I think it was water because he later gives the simpleton a drink. The girl, yeah, he gives her some. <laughs> but in my mind, he was he was totally drunk, and he saw Koba uh, drunkenly across the fire. Yeah, I can see that. Maybe but, he was drinking. Maybe he was drinking mushroom tea. Yeah, possibly. But then he wakes up, so I guess he was dreaming. I, but either way, he sees Koba and. Koba tells him, you know, you're like me or whatever. I forget what Koba says. Yeah, ape not kill ape or something like that. Yeah, he's haunted by Koba is the point. Yeah. So the next day they see part of the army leaving, going somewhere else, and they hear gunshots. Once they leave, they go over to investigate these gunshots. And seemingly this army regiment has shot and killed a group of their own people. Mm-hmm. Uh, they find one who's still alive and he kind of he doesn't say anything because he can't but he doesn't even communicate really anything they just yeah. find out that he also can't speak yeah so all the which is really strange to me because they find these character they find these people they're buried in snow so it's like snowed on them but there's still blood coming through the snow like the sh- gunshot wound so how did the snow get on top of them and then the blood bled through. I don't understand what happened there, but then they pull up, they open their face mask and they all have all this blood coming out of their nose, like down their mustaches and faces or whatever. So it's a common thing. We're now getting a common recurring theme with this new disease. It causes bleeding from the nose. And this character tries to speak. He's he's alive. He tries to speak to him, but he makes this very, uh, like he can't say words or anything like that so we that's all we're left with so we can safely assume that this virus once it infects you it takes place or it takes effect instantaneously right or within hours pretty quickly i think yeah because if they were showing symptoms they would have been shot or, or left behind earlier they had just gotten shot, and they're all just bleeding. They probably would yeah. have gotten cleaned up or something. I don't know. It, and again, if it's as contagious as we later find out that it is, then all the people that had barracked with them and stayed with them in barracks at that camp would have had the virus. They all would have had the quarantine. Well, and later in the, in the colonel's speech where he's talking about it, he'll talk about it doesn't kill us. It'll just rob us of everything that makes us human, our ability to think, our ability to reason, our ability to, be, to separate us from apes, so this, which, is, which is definitely more evidence to what I was talking about. So this is the confirmation that there is a new strain of the simian flu, and it's infecting all the humans, and you also get to see what it does to them. Yeah. But we know it doesn't kill them because the girl stays with them. Yeah, uh, she's she's alive and she's fine. Well, so the, fine is a fluid word. Yeah. <laughs> well, the the apes uh, climb a tower now and investigate their next course of action. And while they're up there, a mysterious figure 
sneaks up and steals one of their horses. And he, this figure also has a shotgun. And quite a nice parka. Yeah, very nice parka. And this was the moment. Once this scene happened, and it was such a prolonged chase scene, we're probably about halfway or at least an hour into the movie. This is when I noticed in the theaters, there's not going to be a war. This is The whole movie <laughs> is going to be this group just traveling around. Yeah, yeah, it's not much of a war. So they, they chase this guy for seemingly an hour. It's so long, this chase scene. I didn't and, need it. And it, it really doesn't equivalent to anything. Yeah, when you finally find out who this intruder is, it's a total letdown. It's this ape. Well, I wouldn't say that. Like, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the character that that we're about to meet, and it's interesting. But uh, yeah, I didn't. I don't know that we needed all that. Yeah, they give us this long chase, uh, this uh, dramatic moment of unveiling the character, and it's Bad Ape, who we mentioned in the cast. He's an ape from the zoo. And he also can talk. So he can talk. Rocket can't talk. Maurice can barely talk. Bad Ape can speak very plainly. And he is not one of the apes from the lab. He was from a zoo. So he said yeah. he learned how to speak from humans. Yeah, we. I don't get that. Like, he didn't take any smart enhancing stuff or what? Yeah, he didn't take any of the, you know, the uh, whatever the thing is, the, the drug is. He shouldn't be able to talk. And if this is canon, then every ape in the world should be able to talk. No, I agree there because this part doesn't really make sense at all because why haven't apes just been learning to talk because they've been hanging around us at the zoo before this? You know, it just, it's just, it doesn't match up unless we miss, unless we miss something in the dialogue where they say, cause I kept, I kept, well, the second time I watched it, I was thinking, Maybe these cookies that he's eating or whatever he that he brings out, maybe those are like some special type of smart cookies or something. I don't know. But I you really don't get any confirmation on that. So we just have to assume that this this ape is actually the smartest ape of all time. Yep. He doesn't want to go outside. He doesn't want to do anything. He certainly doesn't want to go to a place that he calls the human zoo, which mm-hmm. is we'll find out later it's a prison, like a almost like a concentration camp. Well, not even almost. It is a concentration camp. Yeah, well, it is. And then uh, he he knows this location. He reveals it to them. And so, of course, the Fellowship wants Bad Ape to take them there because they know that's where the colonel will be. They they assume bravely. They take a wild guess at it. And they're like, hmm, maybe he's there. Okay, let's check there. And he doesn't want to go at first at all. He's adamantly against it. But then Caesar says, my son is there. And Bad Ape's like, well, I had a son once. Do you think uh, he might be there? And Caesar just lies to him. He's like, oh, yeah, he's he's probably there. <laughs> <laughs> and Bad Ape's like, all right, yeah, oh, let's go. Uh, I'm in. <laughs> did, he, did he say he I, – I thought he just said he had a son once. I don't think he asked him if his son's there. I thought he just, like, started empathizing with him because he has a son as well, and he saw Caesar's pain. No, he says, do you think my son might be there? Or do you think he could be there? And Caesar's like, yeah, possibly, I guess. We'll have to do a, we'll have to do, do a double check on that because I, I, I don't remember that. Well, either way, he agrees to, to lead them there. And so now they're heading to the camp where the colonel is. 
Yeah. What a waste of time. That whole last 15, 20 minutes could have been cut from the movie and, and changed to something else. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But we get Bad Ape, and he is a fun character. Once you're in your third movie and you're this deep, I'm not looking for a comedic relief character that's going to be heavily featured. Yeah, yes. just, just finish the story. Right. Focus on the story. Okay, yeah, I, I can agree to that. Luca now has, has a touching moment with the young girl. He gives her, her a, is it a cherry blossom? Yeah, it looks flower? like a cherry blossom, yeah. So they find this beautiful tree, and he gives her a flower and puts it behind her ear. And then and a scene later, Luca and Caesar are spying on, on the camp, and they're attacked by a sentry of the humans. Uh, Caesar is saved, but Luca takes a gunshot wound and he dies. Yeah, in the, what in the sh- arms of Caesar. What the fuck, man? Like this is a good character we've had through two movies, and he gets a shit death too. And they're not even doing anything; they're just they're just scouting out the enemy camp. And then all of a sudden, out of the weeds, two people jump, and then Rocket. After ro- there's a small scuffle and some a gunshot fired, and then Rocket takes him out, and he's like, "I saw him coming." And, I saw him coming, but I didn't say anything. But I didn't stop him before they shot you, Luca. Sorry. It's just like he dies for no reason. Yeah, and, and why does he die from one gunshot wound so quickly? And why, why do they keep killing off our characters that we know in just horrible fashions? Yeah, it's, it was not a good death for Luca. And not to mention, that gorilla on the bridge took several gunshots to the chest. Oh, yeah. Still, Still left up and took a helicopter down, and Luca can't even survive this little pistol. Like, come on, yeah, come on, pretty dumb. You got to play by your own rules here, Planet of the Apes, and you're breaking your own rules. Yep. And speaking of breaking their own rules, the girl now kneels over the body of Luca and cries her eyes out. She didn't mm-hmm. shed a tear for her father, who has raised her throughout an apocalypse and taking <laughs> care of her while she's sick. She well, doesn't, she doesn't crack a tear for him, but she cries for Luca the gorilla. Yeah. She just kind of walks out and stares at him, and now she's she's crying over this gorilla that gave her a flower. Yeah, she balls her eyes out over Luca, and it's this moment that Caesar gets pissed. Maurice says, "Caesar, this is enough. We got to go back, get back to our people." And Caesar gets pissed off and says, "No, I should have never brought any of you." He sends them away, and he's determined now to... Well, Rocket counters, too, because Maurice says that, and then Rocket says, we can't turn back now. Luca just gave his life for the cause. And I'm thinking, Luca just got shot, like, randomly by some fucking B-list guard. So, yeah. So Caesar chooses violence, and because of this, Maurice gives him the ultimate insult of calling him Koba. He says, you sound like Uh, Koba or something. Now you are Koba. Yeah, so then Caesar sends them away, and his plan now is to get a shotgun and walk into the encampment under no cover whatsoever. <laughs> yes, good so, strategies. So he walks in. He looks pretty cool when he's you know walking pissed. He, he, he should have let the simpleton think this one out. Stop calling her a simpleton. She's a fucking genius, all right? <laughs> she cried over her friend. She's smart. Oh, she- Cried over the death of a gorilla. That doesn't make you a genius. You know how many gorillas I've cried over? She's pretty <laughs> She's pretty smart. All right. She's 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 cool. She's cool still. Whatever. So what's not cool is Caesar now comes upon a crucified group of apes. So 
he uh, finds one who's still alive, and he he lets him down off his crucifix. And this guy is just alive enough to tell Caesar that the colonel not only captured them, but all of Caesar's people while he was off running around riding horses. All of his people were captured and enslaved by the colonel, and they're going to be put to work in this concentration camp. Yeah, all he had to do was go with his people, and the colonel would have found him, and he could have got his revenge battle, but no. Yep. He spent all he spent all this time hanging out with Bad Ape and uh, and the girl and uh, Luca and Rocket and Maurice, and he missed his opportunity because because uh, the Colonel would have came to him. Yeah, so we're about halfway through the movie, and Caesar has yet to make one decent decision. Yeah, and this was a sad point for me too in the movie because I paused it and realized we were only halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, as a character, they've done two movies worth of building up Caesar as this genius, innovative leader. And now, here in the final movie, he's made nothing but mistakes and continues yeah. to do it. And the hate has just consumed him. Yep. So, one extra mistake is Caesar is now captured. <laughs> While he's yeah. talking to the well, crucified ape, he is. Imagine that. <laughs> imagine. Imagine him being captured with all the stealthiness he used to walk straight into a camp with a shotgun. Yeah, he gets caught and he wakes up after, you know, he gets knocked out. But when he wakes up, there's Preacher and the Colonel. And here is where we finally get the proper introduction to Woody Harrelson's character, the Colonel. Or the Kerna, as I like to call him. The Kerna? Yeah, the the, uh, gorilla calls him Kerna the whole time. I kind of like that. Okay. This is where we start realizing that uh, Woody Harrelson is actually just ripping off Brando from Apocalypse Now. Yeah, so he's honoring Brando with this performance here. And it's a pretty good <laughs> performance, I think. He does reveal all the details of this camp. And that is that the apes are going to be used to build a wall because the colonel is not with the U.S. Army. They're actually out hunting him because he has gone rogue. Mm-hmm. So he's using these apes to build a wall to defend himself from the rest of the U.S. Army. Yeah. So when Caesar finds that out, he's taken out to the barracks where all the other apes are being kept. And we get Cornelius again. He's being kept separate from the ape, the adult apes. And he cries out with his signature line, Father, Father, <laughs> Father. So sign, sad. Sign, were, were you sad for Cornelius here? Not at all. I had no connection to that little shit. Oh, see, you're just heartless, man. Cornelius <laughs> is so cute. Yeah, how, how do you not feel bad for him? Yeah, all right, he's cute. I did, I do, I do think he's cute, and uh, it's great that uh, that you know there's this sort of quasi connection between him and his father. But his father keeps being like, "Yes, I love you so much, son. I'm so glad you're safe." Now I'm going to go get myself killed. Yeah, he does yeah. it multiple times. Yeah, every <laughs> single time. Like, it's just like his whole interactions with this kid are like, yeah, I'm your father, but I got to go kill myself first. The rest of your family's <laughs> dead, but it's not over till I'm dead. Yeah, it's it's true. That's totally true. It's It's kind of annoying the way they do that. And what's also annoying is Preacher is there in the room when uh, when Caesar wakes up. Preacher is leading the bodyguard escort to put Caesar in his cell. And then the next day, the soldiers have a, like a Third Reich formation out there in the courtyard. And Preacher is just right there in the middle 
not leading them. Another man is leading them. Preacher is just a regular soldier just standing there with all the other regular soldiers. Yep, yeah, Preacher is not anything special except for some reason he is. For some reason, he's always behind Harrelson and, you know, the colonel. But whenever it comes time to do actual military activities, he's just grunt. And I think it was in that speech or the dialogue between the colonel and uh, Caesar where he says, I hope you don't come to regret uh, sparing this guy's life. He's talking about Preacher because he's a pretty good shot. Yeah, and that'll, that'll just, come into play later on. Yeah, and it's just like the stupidest. Like, why are you making us? Why are you making us follow the storyline? <laughs> Did you pick up on the vibe that maybe preacher can turn good at some point? Um, I thought that that could possibly happen, but there's no evidence that it did or would or well, will. It, so. it, spoiler alert! It definitely doesn't. And yeah, so no, it, it doesn't it, happen. <laughs> This character doesn't have any kind of an arc, but at the beginning, no. Caesar released him. He's a focused on character, and you're supposed to maybe, maybe feel for him a little bit or, or relate yeah. to him. But they piss Pre- it all away at the yes, end. Yes, Caesar showed him mercy and spared his life, only to later be repaid tenfold. Yeah, yeah, it means nothing. It it was yeah. a story that went absolutely nowhere. Yep. So the uh, the third Reich style speech I thought was pretty cool. I I liked the scene. They have uh, these like burning American flags or you know charred mm-hmm. up flags, and he comes out shirtless in the snow and he's shaving his head while all the troops are in formation. I I kind of like yeah. that. Yeah, that's from Apocalypse Now. He was shaving his head in the shadows, and yeah, I got picked it all up. Again, that's an inspiration for them. So they're <laughs> they're not trying to hide from it. They definitely liked Apocalypse Now. That's what they were well, going for. Maybe. Woody Harrelson does, that's for sure. And the directors were going for it as well. There's even a, a, some graffiti later on that says, Apocalypse, Apocalypse Now. now yeah. yeah, they're not trying to hide it. Yeah, but it's like, create your own character while paying homage to that character. Because his character just doesn't have much... Like, he, he mails it in to me. Even his, even his big speeches... Where he goes out, he doesn't get super emotional. It just, it looks like a third-rate acting class, you know. Like, I mean, it's a good acting class. Like, he he's still, you know, natural about it, but he doesn't dive into any deep emotions, and he doesn't really get into any. I don't know. Well, I thought it was. It left a lot to be desired. I thought. I thought it was believable, and that's usually what I'm grading it as an acting performance because I don't know a lot about what's good and what's bad acting, but I believe the character. And I also thought about what you said about Woody Harrelson last week when I mentioned liking him. You said mm-hmm. he, he kind of always plays Woody Harrelson. I think to me, Woody Harrelson is like the Reggie Miller of actors. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a Hall of Famer. He's Got very it. famous and recognizable, but he's really only good at one thing. And that's shooting, yeah. shooting threes. Woody Harrelson is good at, at doing the Woody Harrelson thing. I guess. I mean, I don't know. It's This is a, a completely different character than Woody Harrelson and could be played in a, a number of ways. And there's definitely some more deeper psycho he could have got into, I feel like. And just a just deep twist. It's a twisted character. And I thought there was so much more to that character than what I saw. So yeah. that was that was my biggest issue was just that it felt like a very surface character that Woody Harrelson didn't put a lot of work into. The range isn't there, but 
the casting choice was good because Woody Harrelson is kind of what you wanted for this this role, I think. Sure, yeah, and Woody Harrelson's great at delivering his lines. Like he, his lines are always believable, and it sounds like a human speaking them, which is you know not to, that's on the top of the list for a good actor. But uh, he he has a natural cadence and a natural delivery. Uh, but I just thought there was so much more that could have been gone. Like I really wish he would have played. Uh, Dreyfus, and we'd have got uh, Gary Oldman as this character. You know what I mean? Maybe that that might have been good. I don't think he's a bad actor because I, I do. There's a lot of stuff that Woody Harrelson's in that I really think he does a really good job in. I just feel like this one got too caught up in the the uh, that he got too caught up in the Brando impersonation, and oh, it just this is all about Brando for you. Yeah, he's the greatest. I mean, it's Jesus. obvious that. It's obvious that yeah, I mean you're sitting here saying that they obviously were paying homage to one of the greatest uh, to ever do it, and uh, he just kind of I just felt it felt mailed in to me. It didn't feel like he really dug deep. Well, the homage is more to the story Apocalypse Now than the character, and specifically Brando. No, that character is 100% an homage to Brando's character. If you go back and watch Apocalypse Now down to the bald head and the shaving of the head and everything. And even the cadence and the way he delivers some of his lines are very similar to General Kurtz in Apocalypse Now. So, Well, yeah, but the story is literally exactly the same. A rogue faction of the army deep in the forest. I mean, it's the same exact thing. Well, that part is similar. Yeah, you can pay homage and not completely copy a character. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. You need to get off Brando's nuts. That That's my... That's my sum up of that. Yeah, you wouldn't like it because I'm obviously winning the podcast. How is Brando invading our fucking Caesar, our Lord, uh, Lord of the Rings? Listen, and our Brando, of the Apes. Brando invades all modern American acting, and that's something you're going to have to come to terms with. So to support Brando, you, you give arguments about how every actor learns from him and impersonates him, but now you want to diss on Woody Harrelson for doing that exact thing. I'm going to give it to you in the words of Marlon Brando himself as he said it to James Dean after James Dean tried to impersonate him in his first two movies. You mean the, said, sausage, the sausage guy? No. Yeah, the, guy, the damn actor, okay? <laughs> All right. He said to James Dean at a party when they met up, listen, you can't be me, so just be yourself. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Marlon Brando is the greatest of all time, and no one should ever pay yes! off to him at all. Finally! Don't respect him. Don't try to be him. Just praise him and, and say how Just great he is. Don't try to copy him. Just learn from him and do your thing, you know? Man, come on. Alright, fair enough. What's what's not fair, though, is that these apes get whipped every morning by the donkey apes, and they're also not given food or water in this concentration yeah. camp. That sucks. So one of the other things I wanted to ask you about in this is, did you pick up a tone of almost like a religious undertone kind of going on here? Like uh, Caesar kind of represents Jesus in a way. Um, so there was I like, I, I, well, I'll just answer it and say, no, I didn't pick that up, but I'm thinking about it now. Well, he's crucified and crucifixion is, you know, a very uh, Christian theme. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then there's the whole thing with the water and the, the water and the food and the, the bringing of the food to him. They really stretch mm-hmm. out those scenes. And then the colonel says something like, so you've come to save your people. 
I don't know. I, I might be off on this one, but I kind of always picked up a vibe like they were going for some kind of religious theme almost or a savior theme. That's that's interesting. I didn't think about it, but uh, it makes sense. And then this scene, it kind of furthers it a little bit because Caesar is led down to work with the other slaves. And right away, he leads a mini uprising. He uh, tells them he's not going to work. He's, and all the other apes at the sight of Caesar are invigorated and they refuse to work. And they do the ape is strong hand signal thing because <laughs> just the sight of Caesar inspires the other apes. Yeah. So he leads yeah. this uprising. It's one of the, the cool lines is the, uh, one of the gorillas, or actually it's an orangutan. He's, he's getting whipped yeah. because he's refusing to work. And he says, leave him. Yeah, leave him. And it's, it's almost a throwback to some old school uh, um, Caesar lines because it, it sounds broken and just sort of just two words, you know. Yeah, and yeah, he can really get some bass in his voice when he uh, puts his mind to it. Yeah. He gets loud. So he says, leave him, and they do. But now Caesar is the one taking the whippings. And he takes it right in front of the colonel, and he doesn't flinch at all as he's being lashed by this mm. gorilla. Uh, so now the, the colonel pulls out a gun and holds it to Caesar's head. It's a pretty cool-looking scene. Yeah. Uh, and Caesar's ready to die rather than submit to the colonel's wishes. And he's saved. It's another bad decision by, by Caesar, but he's saved by Lake. Lake. Who, she keeps showing up. She's the, she's the MVP of the movie, maybe. She might be the MVP because she picks up a rock, holds it over her head, and <laughs> saves says, Caesar. Hurry, by, hurry. Yeah, she says, hurry, she, get, get back to work. She agrees to work. And so Caesar is saved because the apes work, even though he, he doesn't tell them to, but they decide to do some work. So they, uh, the uprising is squashed by the colonel here. Yeah. And again, I like the performance of the colonel in this scene, too. It's one of the... Yeah, yeah. that's not a bad scene. I, I enjoy this one. And, uh, yeah, he holds the gun to his head. And then he just offs the orangutan, too, which is pretty cold-blooded. And something... I can't remember what happens, but he just points the gun over and just fires it and kills him. And then just points it back at Caesar and starts a countdown, sort of. Well, Caesar says he's not going to work and he's not going to tell the other apes to work. And that's why he, oh. sh he shoots. Yeah, he says, he says uh, apes need food and water. So he's begging for food and water because they haven't had any food and water the whole time they've been there. And he shoots the orangutan and points it back at Caesar and is about ready to shoot him when the, the other apes start working. Yeah. And while this is going on, he is being spied on by the remaining fellowship which is Maurice Rocket and the bad ape and the girl. Mm -hmm. They didn't leave. They instead are using these binoculars to see what's going on in the camp. And that's pretty much the only hope for survival for the rest of the apes. The rest of them are captives. So Caesar's not mm -hmm. able to do anything and no one else is either. It's just these four creatures that are able to do anything about this situation. Yep. They're pretty much the only people that can sort of help out at this point. So Caesar, to show how helpless he is, is now crucified himself. And he's hanging from one of these crucifixes. He has a little talk with Red, the gorilla, the, the donkey mm -hmm. ape, who seems to be his main caretaker and antagonist. Yeah. He says, what happened to you? You know, you're an ape. 
you know, I, I could have taken care of you and, and Red says something along the lines of, I can take care of myself and, and I can I took care of my own problems. I don't need you. Yeah, he says, uh, and this is one of my lines, I think, but he says, <clears throat> Red save himself. And Caesar says, I wonder if there's anything left of you to save. Yeah, yeah, that, that's one of my lines too. I'll, I'll go ahead and say it as well. Is there anything left of you to save? So Red has basically sold his soul. He's a Judas character. And that kind of lends to the religious theme I was talking about. There are a few yeah. Judas mm-hmm. scenes where they're betraying their own, their leader. Yeah, I could, I could definitely see it relating to that. So Caesar is now taken up to the colonel. He was just chilling in his, his loft, listening to little Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> hey, Joe. Wait. I just saying it as hey, Jude. Not, hey, Jude. <laughs> hey, hey, Joe. <laughs> Where are you going with that gun in your hand? No correlation with the story whatsoever, right? No, no. Not lyrically or musically. I don't know why it fits in other than it's a nice song. Yeah, it's a nice song, and he's listening to it. So he, Where you going with that gun in your hand? Which is better, this song or the weight? This one, for sure. Like, okay, I didn't. I At, like, you talked pretty glowingly about the weight in the last one. Well, I like this song better, so I'm going to say this song. In the world of the movie, neither of them make any sense. So, yeah, I'm going to go with this song. <laughs> All right, I, I'm I'm with you. It's it's a Joe. So uh, the the colonel now tells Caesar everything he would ever want to know. He talks about the new virus and what exactly was going on. He says, yes, I killed my own men because they were infected. He explains how he killed his own son because his son was infected with this virus. So he's all in on saving humanity. And his mindset, the way to do that is to prevent the spread of this virus. Yeah, and he says he fa- he found his purpose. After he killed his son, he was like, I now know my purpose. And it sort of has nothing to do with emotion or anything else other than that. And he keeps saying, you're too emotional and you're getting over emotional or whatever to, to Caesar, who's an ape, which is ironic. But <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he gives this speech. And this was one of the reasons that I didn't, I, I thought this was a pretty well-written speech and I didn't. Uh, I didn't buy into Woody's delivery of it, I guess. I didn't feel, I felt like he kind of got more emotional at this part and he didn't. Well, I, I liked the performance here and I thought that his lack of emotion was proof that he's found his purpose and it's not to be emotional about his son or his immediate family. It's about a higher purpose of saving mankind. So he even makes the point to say you're so emotional to Caesar because mm-hmm. emotions are not part of this equation for him. It's about something bigger. That's a good point, but it's a justification for him not acting the scene out the way I felt like it should have been acting. Sorry. Well, one, one line that they wrote for him, I loved because it's so stupid. He says, all of human history has led to this moment. You can say that at any point of any day, and it's true. <laughs> That's funny, because that is true. <laughs> I could be tying my shoes tomorrow, and I could say all of human history has led to this moment. Ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to tell you right now that all of human history has led to this podcast. <laughs> yep. So when someone says, how you doing? I like to say, uh, you know, because you can apply that phrase 
to anything ever. You could say, ah, you know, and that's it. You don't have to say anything else. Yeah. Or if someone complains to you, you can say, well, it's part of life. Because yeah. literally everything is part of life. So it's, it's a cop-out <laughs> answer. It's like, I don't know what to say, but here's your comfort that you're looking for. Yeah, here's, the, here's what you need to hear. It's part of life. Yeah. And in this case, all of human history has led to that moment. And that's justification for the colonel and his actions. Yep. So we'll, we'll go now to the remaining fellowship. And that's Bad Ape, who is approaching closer to the encampment. And he runs away from some guards and he accidentally falls through these tunnels, which are dug underneath the encampment. That's such a funny way that they figured out how to get to the tunnels, but okay. Yeah, he, he falls in. Uh, Bad Ape has served his purpose of now finding these underground tunnels, which they can use to free the rest of the apes. Mm-hmm. And after their conversation in the loft, Caesar has somehow convinced the colonel to feed and water the remaining apes but caesar himself gets none yeah he gets doused in the freezing water yeah and caesar looks so pathetic here when he's he's crucified up on this cross and uh red the the gorilla goes to give him some water but instead he splashes it in his face and caesar looks like he's about to cry because he's so thirsty it's just it's pretty sad for yeah. a, a character we've been following this far yeah and i mean it's it would suck. Yeah, he's, he just got waterboarded while he thought he was going to get a drink, you know? Yeah, it, it's a real bummer for Caesar. Yeah, and now he's freezing cold with the water on him. Yep. So he's, he's laying out there. He's freezing. He's dying. And again, for the second time, he sees Koba in a hallucination, and Koba gets up in his face. And I forget what Koba says again, but Koba's he still says, haunting Caesar. Yeah, he says, apes all die here. Yeah, and it looks like Caesar's about to die, too. The girl sees this from afar, and she decides to just walk right into the camp and rescue Caesar by feeding him and giving him water. So you're you're saying that this is an act of a simpleton? This this girl yeah. deciding to save the lead ape and save yeah. all of the she, apes by doing this? She, she's walking out there to save her friend or to help her friend. Like that's pretty obvious. But she she literally just walks straight into the camp. She could have just easily been killed, easily been caught. She doesn't try to hide herself hardly at all. At first, she's just walking from cage to cage going, oh, 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 oh there's a monkey. Oh, there's a monkey. Oh, and then and, and she's walking just completely out in the open. She, she puts not only herself at risk, but also the rest of the fellowship, which I love that we're calling them that now. <laughs> but the rest of the fellowship is all at risk now, and poor bad ape is going, no, no. Back, come back, come back, come back, because she's about to just give her walk into the hands of the enemy, which she does. And fortunately for her, it's like uh it's like playing Metal Gear Solid where the, the guards are all just complete idiots that forget everything and just go, Oh, what was that? Oh, I don't well, know. Anyway, my interpretation of this is that the girl represents hope and goodness. So yeah, it is a little unrealistic that she walks right into the camp like that without without being seen. But she represents something. She's not just walking out there because she's stupid. She has to walk out there. Caesar is literally going to die. No, she can represent something and still be stupid, okay? Don't, don't, I'm don't. Not, uh, no, see, you're don't interpreting up, it as don't upsell me. Don't upsell me the character because of the story, okay? 
well, the story supports my argument because immediately after she feeds and waters Caesar right out there in the plain open, all the other apes are inspired by this. And they, again, do the ape strong thing because Caesar is now not going to die, but he's going to live through the night. And you think she knew she was going to inspire all the apes? No, she knew she needed to feed and water Caesar. And that's it. Yeah, That's, that's what she pretty, represents. It's good. That's, that's a simple strategy, right? Sometimes a simple strategy is the only one that works. How else were they going to feed Caesar? No, I'm not saying what she did was bad or wrong. I'm just saying it was a highly reckless move that she, fortunately works out for her. But it was, it was forced recklessness. They had no other option. She slowly walks into the camp. She's not even trying to sneak in. She just walks in and, be- and doesn't. She's not noticed because she's short. I guess I don't know. Well, a guard. It's a. It's horrible. First of all, it's horrible guarding of the gates. Those guards should be fired. No one's paying attention to the front door. Apparently. Well, a guard does come out uh, not long after that, and the simpleton girl who's so stupid has the sense to hide away from the guard. No, Caesar tells her to hide. He motions her with his hand and goes, ooh. So she speaks Caesar, Caesar sign language. Knows, Caesar knows how dumb she is. Why he, can't you see this? He speaks sign language with this simpleton girl and tells her that he's thirsty, and then he tells her to hide. They have a Okay, nice speak sign, sign language. language. She knows one word, which is thirsty. And she and, also knows it, hide, apparently, because Caesar communicates to her to hide. Oh my god! Uh, I can't believe you're shitting on this girl, man. She was one of the best. I, I'm not the shitting. I'm not shitting on her. You're just giving her way more credit than she like she deserves. Other than the like, I'm not, I'm not saying she doesn't deserve credit. I'm saying she's just kind of mentally a little bit slow. There's no and that's proof part of, of that. That's part of the disease. There's all there's proof all over the fucking place with the disease that's mutated and it's now living on with her, and she's gonna c- carry on and be copacetic with apes because her brain relaxes to the idea of apes and becomes you know primitive well she's she serves her purpose of saving caesar therefore continuing the story because it ends right then and there if caesar doesn't live through the night which was the goal of the colonel yep so the colonel comes down the next day well actually no i i want i don't want to skip over this scene because it's really good uh the girl hides but even then the rest of the fellowship knows that she's going to be found. So rocket and probably yeah. his, his finest moment in all three movies yeah. walks down right amongst the, uh, the guards. And he makes a, a big distraction and starts a fight with red, the gorilla. Uh, he gets his ass kicked, but he provides enough of a distraction to allow the girl to escape safely. Yeah. Rocket's definitely not a simpleton. He goes down there with a strategy and employs it, and it works to a T. It reminded me of, I'm sure you're not going to get this reference, but there was a playoff game once the Penguins had, the Pittsburgh Penguins, and one of their mm-hmm. weakest players, Max Talbot, is not known for fighting, but he, the, the Pens were losing. He goes and starts a fight with the, uh, the toughest guy on the other team, gets his ass kicked, and then immediately after that, the team is fired up and scores three goals and takes the lead. Ah, yeah yeah so and after he got his ass kicked he does like the the shush the uh you know the hand gesture to the mm-hmm. crowd and to his teammates like come on this is fine i just took this ass whipping we're getting our ass whipped let's get up and, and win the game and they did all right and so in this case rocket he takes his ass whipping he gets up 
and he says to Caesar, Hey man, you feeling better? Our plan worked. You know, you're alive now. You had some drink and, and I'm here and, and apes together are strong. Yeah, no, I, I agree hundred percent. Rocket does a tremendous, makes a tremendous strategic decision there. Yep. So it's a, it's a sign of hope for all the apes and they have a shot of adrenaline now and, and their prospects going forward because Caesar is alive. Mm-hmm. So the next morning, uh, the colonel finds Caesar still alive and puts him to work. And while he's putting him to work, he also finds a doll. that We, we didn't mention this doll, but the girl had a doll when they found her, Maurice. Mm-hmm. And she's been carrying it around with her ever since. There's even a little blood on the doll that I guess she wiped her nose with it or something. Yeah. But it, she leaves it there in Caesar's pen and the colonel finds it the next morning picks it up and says, huh, what's this? And he, he takes it with him to his, to his room. Yeah. Just a little uh, breadcrumb there. Mm-hmm. But Caesar, uh, he gets to work. And while he's working, lifting these rocks, he's signaling to Maurice and Bad Ape how many steps it is to each pen where the monkeys are kept. Yeah, because they're digging underground. They're tunneling in, sort of. Yeah, so we can assume that Rocket filled in Caesar on everything that's going on on the outside and now they're able to form their escape plan Yeah, and it's here that the girl finally gets a name Uh, Uh, Maurice picks up uh, like what was it a car decal or something Uh, it's a it's a off of a Chevy Nova it's a it's bad apes originally but he gives it to her because he's trying to convince them not to go to the to the place that they're at the uh, camp but it's a it's a insignia or whatever that is a from a from a Chevy Nova, like the metal writing on it. So Maurice decides that the girl's name should be Nova, and she likes that. And again, they communicate all this with sign. Yeah, and she asks him if she's an ape. Yeah, she asks him if she's an ape while they're signing a language yeah. she was never familiar with before this. But yeah. well, let me let me ask you this: you you have a kid? How how old are your kids? 10, 12, and 1. Does your 10-year-old ever get confused whether he's an animal? He hasn't grown up in an environment where he should be confused <laughs> about that. Neither did she. She grew up with her husband, or not her husband, but her, her father, who in was the middle taking, of care an apocalypse. Of, taking care of her out in the middle of nowhere. In the middle of an apocalypse that also it features talking apes. Would it worry you if your son came up to you at 10 years old and asked you if he was an ape? Not in the slightest. Because kids are goofy, and it wouldn't be surprising if this kid was goofy. Yeah, well, you'll say anything to win this podcast at this point, which just means I win. You're you're hanging by the one thread, the one line that she says, am I an ape? Despite all the evidence that this girl is intelligent, the rest of the movie. (laughs) Yeah, okay, there's a lot of that evidence. But she says, am I an ape? So she's a total Uh, simpleton moron. Emotionally, she's got some intelligence, but as far as intelligence goes, she doesn't have much of that. Uh, if you can learn sign language in 24 hours and communicate with a non-speaking person, I will yeah. give you credit to your argument. Well, then I have credit because I actually know how to do the word thirsty now from this movie in sign language. It's a throat, two fingers uh, down and up. Could you so, accept a name uh, bestowed upon you in sign language and have any clue what they're talking about? Hmm. That's deeper. That's actually a flaw in the movie because she shouldn't have been able to understand all that shit. Oh, but she's pretty smart, so I guess she can. No, that's just a fucking flaw in the movie, okay? She shouldn't understand. <laughs> and we don't even know that she does. Maybe she walks out there and goes, 
I wonder what the fuck he just said. No, she doesn't. She tells other people her name is Nova and later after this movie's over. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Damn you. I did not expect you to hate on this poor girl, man. <laughs> hey, I attack the weak, all right? It's find the strongest branch, okay? You've latched on to Rocket for his one fight scene. You, you hated on the Colonel and you hated on Nova, which were two of the better characters. And you love Bad uh, Ape for some fucking I, reason. I like Nova. I'm not hating on her. I'm just, you've just tried to make it seem that she's much more intelligent than she is. The whole point is the disease takes your intelligence away. Did you miss the whole speech? That's what like, the Colonel says. He's not a yeah, fucking scientist. That's the only fucking evidence we get. That's all we get. So that's what we have to go on. No, that's a bit of dialogue. We get plenty of evidence that's real evidence on the screen. Yeah, that's the only bit we get about it. And From and an yes, I, I'll say I'll say that we don't know anything about the disease. So yes, she's perfectly capable of learning emotional stuff and, and learning from there, but it takes her back from her from her human brain. So it takes her to a more primitive state, and maybe that more primitive state is more emotionally connected. This next part was a little bit confusing for me. The tunnel starts flooding, the tunnels that they've been digging underneath the ground. Yeah. Not not why is the tunnel flooding, but I guess the point of the tunnel flooding was that they now can't use all the tunnels to escape. Is that is that what was going on? I guess, yeah. Now they couldn't uh they couldn't get to the kids, the the children ape. Okay. So then there was a reason why they couldn't or why they had those tunnels flood. Yeah, that's when they had to come up with the smart fling in the shit idea. Yeah. So the the new plan that they have is again Rocket is the catalyst of this. He lobbed some wet turds, not just turds, but like diarrhea. Uh, it's the grossest don't, don't, poop in the world. Don't call them turds. Turds is the worst word of you. Oh, God, that sounds horrible. It's what? shit. It's shit. All right. It's don't, wet call shit. The sh- don't call the shit poop. All right. Well, he lobs this wet shit and smacks oh. a guard, the only guard in the head with it. So the guard goes down to say who did that and walks into the pen, which, again, is pretty stupid. Yeah, foolishly. He walks in there. He says, who did it? And Rocket is standing there holding a second uh, dose of shit. And this time he's tossing it up and down in his hand like, like it's like a, a baseball. baseball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty disgusting. So I guess these apes, these apes throw shit like hobbits throw rocks, man, because he is – Deadly accurate with it. Yeah, very accurate with his, his shit. He, uh, he lobs some more at him. And as the guard is ready to kill Rocket for this uh, transgression, Maurice pops up through the ground, grabs the guard by the ankles, and pulls him down. I'm going to have to assume that Maurice killed this guard, right? Yeah, I would say, I would say so. And is this Maurice's first kill of anything in any of the three movies? Mm, that's a, that's Yes, I think it is. I can't I think of any other time that he killed anybody. He's the most peaceful of all the apes, but Maurice, I think, gets a kill here. Well, and to me, it was just like, how easy would it have been for them to dig out of the place they were in? I guess they've been working on it a minute, but it's like, if it's that easy to dig up through, it should have been that easy to dig down through. Uh, so, well, either way, they get the keys off this guard, and now yep. all the apes, well, the adult apes are free. And they go over and free the children as well. So Caesar and Cornelius are reunited once again. They get a little hug. 
But, but Caesar's <laughs> got a death wish, baby. Yeah, Caesar's like, ah, oh, Cornelius, we're finally back together. And I will say I love the facial acting of Caesar here. Andy Circus did such a great job. The look on his face when he sees Cornelius again, mm-hmm. it's a face that he hasn't made really the rest of any of the movies. It's like relief and, and joy. To be honest, like his facial expressions in this movie are top notch all the way through and and the the way he delivers his lines and the way it matches with his eyes and his facial expressions because in the first two movies it's very caesar-esque you know we get we get the glare we get the mean stare we get the it's almost like he's posing as a model we get blue steel we get light gray you know but in this movie we get some variance and some real emotion from his eyes and from his mouth and his face so it was nice to see that. Yeah, I, I noticed it. I thought it was really good as well. But his actions immediately betray that emotion because he says, all right, well, someone else take Cornelius. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go, go kill the colonel instead. Yeah. I know you've been waiting for this, Cornelius, for weeks, but go with Lake. <laughs> yep. So he sends again. Cornelius away yet again, and he says to, I think, Rocket, he says, I can't let go of my hate. There's just as much Kobe in me as as there ever has been or whatever. Yeah. Something along those lines. Yeah, so he's going to go back and kill the colonel by himself. I actually I wrote the exact line down. I just don't want to spoil my line for later. All right, don't, don't, don't spoil it then. But he goes to kill the colonel, and at the same time, the remainder of the U.S. Army that has been hunting out the colonel's regiment, they show up in helicopters and start firing on the base. They're technology is really good do you think that yeah the have... human humans are back <laughs> they are totally back they have like uh i don't know what kind of helicopter that is but it's a pretty dangerous they're flying helicopters in they're driving tanks in they got all the shit that they used to have if they would just join up and try to kill the apes they'd have been no problem they got all the weaponry they needed but uh humans humans are just as as known for killing each other as they are apes and they go after each other in this one all because of general kurtz's unsavory methods oh excuse me i mean general uh colonel colonel j wesley mccullough yeah yeah he uh he's betrayed the humans by going rogue so they're here to kill him and this is the battle scene climax of the movie i think and it's it fell a little bit flat to me. Again, I needed something more personal, like the last movie when we had Koba versus Caesar. It all had meaning. This was just two armies firing off, you know, grenades and explosives and rockets. And I didn't care which side really won. And it was basically just explosions for explosion's sake. You know, yeah, I didn't care for it. Yeah, we have no connection to the humans. Uh... We don't want them to win. I guess we're just rooting for the apes to all get out alive. Yeah, the only thing I have left to root for here is for Caesar to get his revenge on the colonel. And that's what he goes up to do. And again, this scene pissed me off because... We don't even get that! No, the colonel has done such horrible things. He killed Caesar's family. He killed Blue Eyes, which we were all heavily invested in. But now we find that the colonel is infected with the disease that makes him unable to talk and bleeding out the nose. And he's reaching for a bottle of whiskey, which he's been drinking whiskey the whole time, which I don't know the point of that. 
So he's reaching for a bottle of whiskey or whatever, and he looks up at Caesar. Caesar sees his gun sitting there on the side, uh, on the bed, uh, whatever that is, something next to the bed, the bed stand or whatever. And he grabs the gun and points it at the colonel's head, and the colonel looks out, up at him with the two bloody noses that we now know he's infected. And he starts making those stupid sounds where he's like, you know, and then he cocks the trigger and then the colonel points, he starts to put the gun down. The colonel points it up his head and is telling him to kill him. And Caesar, just Caesar, we, th we get this intense moment where he's like, ah, ah, his teeth are gritting. And we see his mouth gritting and everything's getting tight and he's going to kill him. And then all of a sudden Caesar's, more humane or ape main side comes out and he decides, no, I'm not going to kill this person that I've been trying to fucking hunt down the entire movie and kill. Yes. Again, this pissed me off because Caesar, like get your shit together. You did the same thing to winner or maybe it's the writing. So is Caesar here refusing to give in to his rage and be like Koba or is he doing the worst thing by making the guy kill himself? Because the guy clearly wants to be killed. So is he doing yeah. the right thing or is he doing the, the mean thing? What's he doing here? I have no clue. I'm not sure. Like, I think I think it's his mercy for he's showing sort of a mercy to the to his own pain and being like, no, I'm not going to be the one who kills you and leaves him the gun cocked and lets the colonel off himself. So... Yeah. They both kind of get what they want, in a sense. The colonel ends his own life because he's contagious or, or you know, he's infected. And Caesar gets the moral high ground because he, uh, in the end, wasn't like Koba and he let, didn't let his anger overcome him. I hated it. It was so unsatisfying. It was. It was just completely bullshit. It was completely ape shit. Yep. So the colonel's dead. And we'll now go out to the courtyard, and there's still a couple other villains that maybe we can have some high hopes for, for their ending. Mm -hmm. There is Red, the donkey gorilla, who's out there loading up this bazooka and, and helping the soldiers shoot down the helicopters. And there's also Preacher, who has been wandering around investigating <laughs> the pens. He's been wandering around the plot line for this story for th two, two hours now. Yeah, and we're thinking maybe uh, maybe the preacher will show up here and do something to save Caesar. And because Caesar spared him. You know. Yeah, Caesar spared him earlier, so maybe the preacher will show that not all humans are bad and, and good actions deserve a good reward. Or maybe... Maybe not. <laughs> maybe not, yeah, because <laughs> Caesar sneaks up behind the gorilla ape and he sees a tank of oil that's leaking gasoline everywhere. And his idea is to explode this tank and somehow kill, you know, everybody on the base. Mm -hmm. But as he's about to do that, red, uh, red, the gorilla spots him. And also we should say during this time, red is kind of experiencing a wide range of emotions as he's yeah. helping these humans. He's seen well, the, the apes get gunned down. And we haven't highlighted it through any of this podcast, but there are a lot of moments between Red and Caesar where Red is, we see him almost struggling with his tyranny, you know? So it's, that has actually been building. 
Preacher, we don't know what the fuck he's come. Like, I forgot about this guy. I'm just like, oh, yeah, that guy. And then I had to watch it a second time and be like, oh, that's the guy from the beginning. Of that's course. the same guy. Yeah, of course. Thanks for not establishing that. Well, as- but, but Ed actually is established in his storyline. So he actually has a decent little uh, inner struggle going on. Yeah, but I when I was watching it, especially the first time in the theaters, I remember thinking I wanted Red to also get some comeuppance. I wanted him to get his because he antagonizes all of the apes the entire movie, and he never really shows a lot of remorse for what he's doing or, or really much indication. Like, Caesar's trying to get him to turn, but he never shows that he's giving in to what Caesar is saying at any point not, until this not- last battle. Yeah, not except if you're paying attention to his eyes. All right, I'd have to take another look at that, but I didn't pick up on it the first time, so I wanted Red to die at the hands of Caesar or another ape. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go down that way, though. Uh, yeah. Caesar is instead. Well, going... he does. Yeah, uh, Red do- Red does get get his, but not in the fashion that we probably it's would want. In a very unsatisfying way, he does get his. So uh, Caesar goes to throw this grenade at the the leaking tank, but he's shot in the side by Preacher and his crossbow. Yeah, thanks, Preacher. Yeah, thanks for that, Preacher. After I released you from, uh, you know, I could have killed you easily, but thanks for shooting me. Even though your army is under attack, just leave me alone. Yeah. Find another army. My exact note was, he spared his life. What asshole? What lesson are they teaching us here? <laughs> yeah, what is the lesson? You let you <laughs> show mercy. Lesson? You show mercy, yeah. you let a guy go and you get punished for it. Yeah, so the the lesson of this movie is don't be bad to apes and don't trust humans. <laughs> yeah, don't trust humans no matter what. Fucking snake this guy. Yeah, so he shoots Caesar in the side and then he walks like within, you know, close range of him and he's about to finish him off. And here is where Red finally has a change of heart and he obliterates preacher off the face of the earth with this uh, grenade launcher which doesn't hit caesar at all somehow i didn't <laughs> i didn't know rocket launchers were so precise that you could completely obliterate one body and not yeah. impact another that's it's very a, nearby it's like a headshot of rocket launchers well no it's a grenade launcher so that's actually that makes sense because grenades are not as devastating as rockets so well, it's good because this tank has been leaking all over the place and there's explosions all over the place. But apparently it's only Caesar's grenade that can ignite yeah. this flaming tank. Well, that's the thing to me is like, oh, classic Hollywood. He throws it into a gas tank, which should explode those gas tanks and catch fire to the wall or whatever. But no, when it hits the wall, all of a sudden a chain reaction up the wall starts exploding like there's gas tanks every 10 feet up the wall. Yeah. So it's like... Why would there be that? Why is the wall just exploding all of a sudden? Oh, yeah, because it's Hollywood. Yep, and Caesar, for, more Hollywood stuff for you. The explosion is miraculously shaped in a way that won't impact Caesar, but it mm-hmm. kills every other human on the compound, but not Caesar, who's right next to it. Yeah. Also, we, we skipped over the death of Red. Once, uh, once Red blew up Preacher... The, the man that he was feeding ammunition to turns around and shoots him in the head with the sidearm. So that's the end yeah. of Red. It was a small redemption for Red. He, he saved Caesar, and that's it. You know, 
Not a great story I mean, arc for someone that was on the screen this month. Yeah, for sure. That's thematic to this movie is just not really good arcs for any characters. No, it really wasn't for anybody. But Caesar has now destroyed everyone on the base and the opposing army has finished them off. So Caesar escapes from the compound. He's hiding out on some rocks and the opposing U.S. army that's invaded, they all storm the grounds, the infantry now. Yeah, they just storm it with ease and they're all in there celebrating, hands up. Yay, we did it, we did it. They didn't do anything. They They didn't do anything. They rolled in with their tanks and like everyone was dead already because Caesar killed them. And then they're just sitting there cheering, cheering, cheering. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, uh, avalanche starts to happen on the mountain. Oh, my God. That's well, convenient. it's not out of nowhere. The explosion started the avalanche, the big explosion. That well, how about the fucking helicopter that crashed into the mountain? Wouldn't that have started the avalanche if it was so close? I don't know, but the screen zooms out. You don't know? You don't know if a helicopter slamming into a mountain would have been would have caused the avalanche more than a grenade going off in the center of the I don't, mountain? I don't know what causes avalanches, but I'm just saying it. They showed the, the screen zoom oh. out. They zoomed out on the mountain as that explosion happened and the snow yeah. started slipping. So that's so, an, so anyway, a miraculous avalanche is coming down and all the monkeys are running away or the, the apes are climbing up into trees to get above the snow and Caesar is sort of like holding on for dear life to a tree that's getting plowed by snow. And then he finally makes it up above the snow and sees that all the other apes are up there too. And they've escaped the avalanche, but miraculously enough, all the humans in the Valley that just stormed the mountain and probably come and kill those apes have now just been covered in snow. And every they're all single dead. one of them, every, every single one of them out. is dead. How yeah. convenient. Well, how dumb was the scene when they all slowly turn and look at Caesar at one yeah. at a time before the avalanche starts. That what a waste yeah. of three or four minutes that was. It's just yeah. why why do they have to see and look at Caesar awkwardly before the avalanche? And, and there's thousands of them. How did they not notice him? Like to begin with. And no one says, hey, look at that ape. They just stop talking and stop celebrating and all slowly yeah. turn. What? 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 What's he doing? Hey, you're Caesar. And also, this avalanche is knocking over many of the trees. Caesar even jumps off of a falling tree onto a standing tree, yet seemingly all of the apes manage to get into trees, and Nova. Uh-huh. How did she yeah, get up how there? How did Nova get up there? I don't know. I guess someone must have carried her. And Movie more. magic. Movie magic. So that's um, all of the apes are saved, reunited. Seemingly, all of the humans are dead. Do you think there are any humans left on the Earth? Uh, yeah, probably sporadically. All right, fair enough. It, they made it seem like it was the true apocalypse of mankind here, but you're probably right. There's probably other humans besides Yeah, we, ha- we haven't even checked in on Europe yet. But if the uh, disease is as bad as you think it is, it doesn't matter how many humans are left because they're all going to be simpletons just wandering around, and, and it really is the end of humanity. Yes, I agree with you. All right. They, so all the humans that are getting infected with that disease are simpletons. You stated it perfectly. Perfect. So, so all that's left now for these apes to do. And here is one final annoying, fucking annoying plot hole. So Caesar got shot with that arrow in the side, right? Mm-hmm. After, after that, he runs 
uh, it's probably 40, 50 miles an hour. Caesar sprinting up, climbing trees. Uh, he's swinging from branch to branch. He's surviving. And yeah, now this this after a wound. This after a wound, uh, a crossbow wound to the ribs. To the ribs. And now he goes on several hundred mile journey, it looks like, across the desert to this uh-huh. oasis. So uh, finally, all the apes are at this paradise. And the minute they get there, the very minute, he, he sends Cornelius off to play and he sits down and dies from his yeah. still bleeding wound. Yeah, he has a nice little touching scene with Maurice. But, uh, yeah, how far away was the desert? They also crossed the desert to get into what I am going to guess is Utah, maybe. Like, it looks like, you know, like a National Park green lush area. So they're past the desert, which means they crossed across desert, uh, you know, you know, the Nevada area, maybe, or northern whatever is above that. But, yeah, it just didn't make any sense because... He was that bleeding out this whole time. He was time. bleeding out the whole time. Come on. He would have been dead by then. Yeah, they traveled so far. And then the second they get there, he's like, ah, finally, I can yeah. die. <laughs> like, I, I get it. They're trying to say, okay, he saw them get to their new place. Now he can rest. Now he's he can die in peace. But that just doesn't logistically make sense. No. And Maurice didn't even notice the wound until they got there. He, he yeah. sees it. And he's like, oh, you're hurt. Ooh. Oh, shit, that sucks. Like, bro, I've been bleeding out for the last three weeks while we crossed the desert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's still bleeding the whole time. Yeah. It didn't so, scab over yeah. And Caesar says, or I'm sorry, Maurice, Maurice says to Caesar, your son will know what Caesar did for us. And I can mm-hmm. only assume that he's talking about the first two movies because Caesar <laughs> did absolutely nothing this whole movie. Nothing well, skillful. He kind of he kind of was the spark that's freed them from them at the end there, but he only played the spark. He wasn't the real reason they got freed. Yeah, he was the spark in in image, you know, by by being there only. He symbolized yeah. the spark. Yeah, he his symbol- actions didn't provide yeah. any sparks. Yeah, not really because all he's on is a vengeance quest. And Caesar, Caesar doesn't even like lean up against the tree to die. He just keels over on the rock that he's sitting yeah. on and just dies. Yeah, and Maurice just starts petting his leg going, oh. Oh, shit. And so all the apes hail Maurice. But in it was not a horrible ending, except for the fact that it didn't logistically make sense. But it was touching, you know, like it had a, it had a touching sense to it. And <clears throat> also, you know, it was great. He got to see him, he got him freed, and then he sees him go off and then all of a sudden, he, he dies and passes out or whatever. Maurice tells him, you know, your son will know who you are and what you did for us. And it's it's a very touching scene, but it just it just didn't make sense as to how they got there or how long the trip was or anything like that. Well, the, this ending makes it seem like the entire series was the story of Caesar, more so than the planet of the apes or the downfall of humanity. It's the story of one particular ape which makes it more annoying for me, the fact that his character was so conflicted in this last movie. Well, but it kind of is, though, because, I mean, you think about this is prequel. These are three prequels leading up to the 70s movies of Charlton Heston, apparently. So this is how the planet got rid of humans. And eventually we must assume that all the humans got this 
this uh, simpleton disease and they all become simpletons and, oh, you <laughs> and either die out or whatever. And then the apes take over full scale. They become the dominant species on the planet. And uh, that's what happens. Yeah, well, that, that's what happens. And this last movie really left me underwhelmed. I, I did bitch about it a lot, but it's not so much because it's a bad movie. It's just because I had such high expectations after the last one. Yeah. And it just let me down. Yeah, I agree. Like, this movie is going to grade better than a lot of movies we've seen or, or reviewed. But it's not. It's because it's part of the trilogy and the story is there. It's not because of the work they did, really. Yeah. And when we get to the grades, I want you to say you're great for this movie and then grade the entire series as a collective, kind of like we did Lord of the Rings. Oh, wow. Well, you have to say your grade first this time, because every time I say my grade, you just go a half point higher. All right. I will say mine first. But before we get to the grades, I want to do the quotes. And I want you to say, you said you knew the message of this movie, or you thought you knew. What is this movie saying? Oh, shit. Now I got to Now I gotta think. Yeah, well, now you have to think. You, you, go through, you go through with your grades, and let me think about this message real quick. Okay. So, it's really well thought out, I can tell. Well, it's not the grades. It's, it's the quotes. And I have just a okay. couple quotes again. This, this whole series has been really low on, on quotes and music. It's not, uh, not about that. Mm-hmm. But some of the quotes I liked is when Bad Ape is trying to convince the fellowship that they shouldn't go to the encampment, he says, look, more snow. We, we can't go out there. We must rest. <laughs> Yeah. So it's been snowing for I guess, you know, forever, but he said, yeah. Well oh look, it's snowing, so we can't go. Yeah, so, I think they're holed up in like a snow resort area. Yeah. Like <laughs> uh, I liked when the colonel says nature has been punishing us for our arrogance ever since. And he's referring mm-hmm. to when they created the first version of the virus. They were arrogant in creating that and nature has been getting revenge. I like that line. I thought that was pretty poignant. Yeah. And then uh, I really liked when he said all of human history has led to this moment just because it's <laughs> such a broad and stupid thing to say. Because it's not wrong. <laughs> it's, not. it's never wrong. It's never right. It can't be wrong. <clears throat> and then the final one, is you said you had it as well. It's when Caesar tells Red, is there anything left of you to save? Yeah, that was a good one. So I had, I had a few quotes, and one was uh, in the beginning when he sends the prisoners back, and, he, and Maurice says, do you think they'll, they'll tell, the, tell him the message? And Caesar says, they are the message. And that's, that just shows how forward strategic thinking Caesar is, because he realizes, regardless of whether they tell him what the, he said, the colonel should understand that he's sending prisoners back unharmed, which means he wants peace. Yeah. Of course, of course the Colonel just doesn't give a shit, but no Colonel didn't pick up on that. It's one of those lost, lost messages that we should have learned from this movie, but didn't get translated. And then <clears throat> one of my favorite parts is where bad ape gets the binoculars and he's looking at him backwards and he goes, Oh no. <laughs> yeah. That's what? a kind of, kind of funny scene. Why so small? And then Maurice grabs the binoculars and turns them around. He's like, oh. oh. <laughs> like, Bad Ape was just full of funny little stuff like that, which I, I did enjoy. I'm not going to lie. I enjoyed Bad Ape. And, uh, oh, here, here he is. 
Oh, this was the line that uh, that I that I did not reveal though that Caesar says talking about Coba, and he says, "I am like Coba; he could not escape his hate, and I cannot escape mine." And when he decides to go back, instead of hanging out with his wonderful son that he's just rescued multiple times, he just keeps going back to try and kill the colonel because he can't escape his hate. That's, he cannot escape it. Yeah, and then the last one that we both were talking about, but yeah, those those are my those are my uh, quotes. Did you did you figure out the message of the movies, or do you give up? The overall message of all three three of these movies is don't hate the diff don't hate people because they're different. You know, that's the message. It's just like differences. We should come to learn and accept people's differences, and that's. The overall message of these movies is trying to convey the apes are different, but they're not bad. The humans are different, but they're not bad. They're just trying to protect themselves. The apes are trying to protect themselves. We should all come together and be able to work it out. Difference is not something that we need to fight and kill over. So that's the overall message I feel of the three movies. However, this movie, (laughs) I do not know what the message of this movie would be. Um, I guess... Don't let hate consume you. I mean, he should have let the hate consume him multiple times, probably. It's well, it does throughout the whole movie, except at the end when we want it to finally consume him, and then it doesn't. Yeah. So I don't think it's wrong to hate someone that deserves hate. I mean, you shouldn't you shouldn't hate groups or you blanket hate or you know generalizations of hate. But if he would have hated preacher at the beginning, he wouldn't have got shot. Yeah, yeah, Preacher was a hate-worthy character by the end of the movie. Yeah. But uh, I think the most, the hardest part about, the hardest thing of this movie is that it has so many mixed messages. Like, we're getting so many mixed messages from this movie. We think we think that uh, Preacher is going to save the day and come back and be like, oh, yeah, he did this good thing for me, but nah, nah, bro. I'm here to kill apes, all right? Yep. And we think that... Uh, we think that Caesar's going to finally meet up with his son again and be fine with that and cool and let me just go continue and try to build a new family and save my ape families and friends and nah I'm cool with that I got to go kill the pre- or I got to kill the uh, colonel and it's just it's just chock full of a bunch of kind of mixed messages or messages that fall short or messages that aren't received I don't yeah, I it was, half, it was half-ass is what it was. Half messages, you know. They really wanted to, to just put things on, you know, explosions, horsebacks, cool fights, cool leaps, stuff like that. Yeah. And they and they couldn't just fill two and a half hours of that. So they had to half-ass some story in this one. Yeah. That's kind of how it went. I think by the third movie, they were thinking, hey, if we stretch this out, we could maybe have like a Star Wars type franchise. You know what I mean? Yep. So let's let's just make it fun and make people want to come back and make the crowd like it. And unfortunately, it falls short of the prior two movies. Well, 10 years from now, when they come out with the middle series of, of this and Cornelius is the star and he has major daddy issues, it, <laughs> at least we'll know where it comes from. Yeah, maybe maybe this is tying into a much lar- larger story that we don't know about yet. That could be interesting. Uh, maybe uh, I I would like to think that, but I'm not going to have any expectations because yeah. that leads to disappointment. I'm not going to assume that, but that would be nice. 
So then let's go ahead and get to the grades if you didn't have anything else to add. Mm-hmm. For me, I like all three of these movies. I own all three. The last one leaves a bad taste in my mouth. And not only that, but it's kind of drab at times. It's just dark, depressing, sad, and it kind of weighs me down. It's like a like an albacore around my neck. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it makes you sleepy or depressed or bored, and it's none of those things are really good. But it's still got its benefits, and it's still a good movie. So for this one, I went 16.5 on the first one, 17.5 on the second one. This is the worst of the three, but it's still rewatchable, and it's still you know good enough, and it has enough merit to get a 15 out of 20 for me. Wow. See, I think you're giving it – you're like – all right, so both of us are grading this on the fact that it's related to the other two movies and the story's set up for us and it's all there and we have characters that we know and we like. So I think I also graded it above what I wanted to grade it, but it's lower than what you graded it. I went 13 of 20 because, yes, it's rewatchable. I watched it a couple times and I was not, I was not completely put out by the movie, but I just found myself thinking, wow, you could have done so much better with this movie. Like, it was set up. Everything, the first movie was good. The second movie was great. Now the third movie can be fucking spectacular. And you've decided to just completely abandon reason and all good senses and just turn it into a Hollywood blockbuster with no editors on staff to edit the shit that didn't make sense. So I, I gave it a 13 to 20 because it's while it's above rewatchable, it's uh, it fell way short. And I don't know. I, I don't remember what I gave the last. Hold on. I can look back real quick. You gave a 17 to the last one. 17 to the last one. Like, that's how good the last one was. And then the one before that, 15. So, yeah, that that's about in line with how I feel these movies fall. Because 15 out of 20 is a, re- a really good movie, I think, in our rating. 17 out of 20 is a near suburb, superb movie. And then 13 out of 20 is an okay movie. Yeah. And I think this was, I think this was an okay movie and could have been better. I bet the, the difference in our grade is I, I liked the Colonel and Nova and you didn't. So that, that's a big part I of the didn't, movie that I have never said, I never said I didn't like Nova. All right. Well, you said you I didn't actually, like the Colonel. I actually like Nova's character. I'm just saying that her intelligence was washed out a little bit by the right. disease. That's the only point I was trying to make. You said that, but you did say you didn't like the Kerna or Woody Harrelson, and I did, so that's probably yeah. the difference yeah. in our grade. Yeah, if it would have been Gary Oldman playing the Colonel, I could have raised it up to a 14 or 15, perhaps. Or if it was Brando, you probably would have given it a 20. Oh, if it was Brando, I'd give it a 21. Well, if, it was, a... if it was uh, <clears throat> Willem Dafoe, I'd have given it a 19. Yeah, well, let's let's not compare Defoe and Brando because I don't want to get pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. that's a, that wraps up Ape, April for the most part. We still have the award show coming up. Um, but did you did you want to grade the overall series? Oh yeah, I think the overall series is about a seventeen. That's right where I'm at too. I I don't know mathematically yeah. how it averages out, but. It's it a hell of a series. It's a good it, series to watch. 
it doesn't average out in the numbers that I gave it, but it, it works in the overall arc of a full series because it's a pretty good trilogy. And I think it's worth watching and it's good. And even though the last movie sort of left a sour taste in my mouth, I think that uh, not everybody will probably agree with me on, on all that stuff. And it still rounds out a pretty awesome story. I think they could have just switched the storylines and had the uh, disease and the colonel be in the second one and then have the fight with Koba and the ape insurrection be the climax of the whole series. That, wow, that that's, was, that's, that's something that I wish they'd have thought of on the cutting room floor, you know? <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't it have yeah. been so much better to have that fight with Koba be the end of the series instead of the colonel just dying and shooting himself. Yeah, and, yeah. And then like, an avalanche that, happening. The whole second, the whole third story could have happened as the second story. And Koba helps do everything or whatever. Koba is basically um, Rocket in that story. And then in the third story, you make it the, the, the apes are all living out there by themselves, but some other, something else comes to attack them in paradise and Koba turns his back or, or yeah. tries to take over. Yeah, yeah. that could have worked. It would have been a lot easier uh, to, to lure the audience in, I think, with that story that, that would span across all three movies instead of just this colonel yeah. that only shows up in the last movie and this new disease and new apes and all, all bad. I, I don't <laughs> want to sound like I'm complaining too much because it, it's still a good still series a good and, and a good movie. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, so next week's the award show. Where should people send us emails? RancidTacoPodcast at gmail.com. Like a pro. Fuck, I nailed that, did I? Yeah, you did. Hail, oh. pay, hail Payman. Hail, Mary Moss. Hail, Melkor. Hail, Defoe. Oh. Hail, Brando. Hail, yeah! <laughs> hail, hail Caesar, though. You got hail, hail Caesar. Caesar. Hail, Caesar. And, and hail Coba. Yeah, hail Coba. And uh, do not hail uh, bad ape or <laughs> don't hail Blix either. Don't hail Blix. I'll leave Blix out. I'll just mention Blix without hailing her every time. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I'm cool with that. Honorable mention Blix. Blix. <laughs> <laughs> hail Blix. I'll hail. do it for you. Thank you. That's that's nice of you. See, I hail Brando. You hail Blix. See, yeah, we did get fair. the message of the movie. All you have to do is yeah. not hate, you know? Yeah. Apes together strong, man. Yeah, apes together are strong. Yeah. So did you have anything else to add about Ape April and the war for the Planet of the Apes? Not a single thing. No, nope, we, we've gone on too long, I think. Yeah. This so, is going to be a long one. If yeah. you're still listening, we love you. Oh, yeah. Did your friend from the last one actually make it to his shout-out at the end? I told him about it. I don't know if he made it. I'm sure he did not make. I don't think anyone. <laughs> these some of these at the end, man, just get out of line. I barely make it. No. Well, if people listen to the end, we might get sued. So it's it's probably for the best. <laughs> it's usually where the best stuff comes out, though. Best or worst. Yeah, or worst. All right. Well, on that note, thanks everybody for listening, and we will see you next week. Good night, everybody. Get the funniest clothes from everyone we need. Hey.
Everyone loves movies from Webster to Morocco. Who needs rotten tomatoes when you've got the rancid tacos? This podcast is brought to you by West Virginia Pepperoni Rolls.